0: I just started my period. Oh, man. Okay. No wonder I have cramps.
1: Excuse me, Africa. You know, we're not down at the mall here, you know. Let's sit outside with a, with a latte here or something. Let's just get moving along. Welcome to the Survivor Historians podcast, the only podcast that's good enough to make you want to slap your mama. I am Mario Lanza. This is Paul Osselson being guided
2: by Mother Africa as always, as my life is guided every day. And this is
0: Jay Fisher, and if that's true, then I'm slapping my mother about once every month and a half or so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so that's us. I know it's been a while. You haven't heard from us in a while. I believe the last uh, podcast was Africa Part 1, and I believe we did that around February, maybe, something like that. It's been like 9, 10 months or something. I forget. But anyway, we are here to finish our mega two-part Africa podcast and if I recall correctly, guys, we left off with episode five, which was the uh, Silas episode, correct?
0: No, it was the Chip episode.
1: Chip. Oh, Chip. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> okay, so the Chip episode. Once Chip, you know, America's beloved sweetheart, was voted out, we're going to just jump right into the rest of Africa because there's a lot to talk about here. And uh, to, just to sum up, uh, one of you guys want to kind of go through the what we talked about in the first one since it's been so long and I've forgotten.
2: Well, we fell in love with the young members of the Samburu tribe. That's definitely a oh, highlight.
0: Yeah. Oh. Yeah, and you know, they showed us how to make arts and crafts and jewelry, but only make it for your friends. That's always good. It's nice.
1: <laughs> and then we had Lindsay, who of course was the new Colleen. We all remember that where we were the first time we fell in love with Lindsay. <laughs> we we all also remember had
0: that. <laughs> we also had the lovable new Cantankerous old person and Frank Garrison.
1: Oh, yes, Frank.
2: We had, lots of, there. we had a lot a lot of uh, old lady falling, which uh that excited me.
1: That's right. Paul had such a boner during that whole podcast. It's funny that one
0: word separates you because Paul got a boner from old lady falling and Mario got a boner from old lady. It's pretty close. <laughs> yeah, you know, it's just one word that's omitted there, you know? It's 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 right there. Tina's not that old, you son of
2: a bitch. <laughs> Yeah, oh. I would, that's pretty insulting to put Tina up there like next to like uh, Kim Johnson and Diane Ogden.
1: She was like thirty nine. I'm thirty eight now. I'm not that old. Thirty eight now. Yeah, of course that Survivor Australia was what like nineteen years ago. So Tina's what like seventy now or something like that. It's Hard to decades.
0: believe that nine eleven
1: was nineteen years ago. <laughs> yes. All right. I think we've we've disrespected enough people thus far. Let's uh, <laughs> let's go right back into Survivor Africa. That that is why. Our nine or ten listeners are tuning in. They want to hear us talk about Africa. So we are here, as always, to preserve the history of the early Survivor Seasons. And we've done Episode 1 through 5 up through Chip, a.k.a. Silas. And we're going to jump right into Episode 6, which I know Paul has said is one of his personal favorite episodes. So, Paul. What do you have to say about episode six of Survivor Africa?
2: Well, there's so much great in it. Hands down, my favorite episode of Survivor Africa, I think what happens after it just kind of solidifies for the the rest of the direction of the whole entire game. But just also just like looking at it as just an episode, all the good stuff that happens in it from like a really basic but like really cool reward challenge that results in a... Um, a great scene that has to do with chickens and a black man named Clarence, which I'm sure we'll get into. An awesome Mm -hmm. immunity challenge that was just, you know, down to the wire there in the end. And then also just, I mean, from beyond just, like, the, the strategy that, you know, wasn't that, you know... We didn't have that much strategy up to that point, or in these earlier seasons. wasn't the big focus. I mean, if you a new school fan, a new school fan survivor, you know, were to go back and watch this, they'd, they'd get their fill of strategy out of this, you know, episode too. And I also love the focus of, um, you know, we get back to that contestants battling with it's a game versus this is my real life. And we get a lot of that at Lindsay in the end as she, you know, debates what decision uh, she's going to make. And of course, the boot of the episode um, is as heart crushing as it is to see Colleen 3.0 get voted off. I mean, it's, it's, <laughs> it's a good ending to the episode as well.
1: Now if I recall episode six that's the one where the uh, Samburus the new samburus are spending the whole episode trying to figure out who has the previous vote right whether it's Lindsay, whether it's Brandon or whether it's Kim that was correct. A, we, was we even on, get yeah.
2: some, we even get some build up for that in episode five, which is crazy but I mean it, it's interesting enough for me anyway that it, it even you know goes right to the end of episode six you know trying to figure out who has the vote and how they're eventually gonna vote. so yeah it's a it's a theme that dominates the entire episode.
0: And Paul, in America, we say first name and then last name, so it's Clarence Black, Paul.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm backwards. I I lived in Germany for a while, so I'm sorry. I got to get back to this American thing. <laughs> yes.
1: Yeah, so, speaking of Clarence, of course you mentioned it. Anybody who's read the funny 115 automatically knows that I've said before that Clarence maybe gets my my vote for the most underrated funny player ever. And you go back and watch Africa. I was just kind of skimming it recently. And man, every little scene he's in, he has some quip in the background or something funny to say. But episode six is the one that's his big shining moment with Clarence and the chickens, which I swear to God, I just watched it yesterday and I still laugh when I see that scene. Just the timing on that scene is just so perfect.
0: There's always a character every season that is, I mean, a lot of people say sneaky funny or mm-hmm. something like that. But even more than sneaky funny, I think they're they're – secretly more intelligent than you think they are and mm-hmm. you know that intelligence you know and, and, and a sort of wit about them leads them to actually be so bitingly funny and sometimes you don't catch it the first time i think colleen was that in the first season you know like everyone's just like oh she's cute she's a sweetheart but like she was really you know she was intelligent and bitingly funny and mm-hmm. clarence is definitely that in the in africa a lot of people just like oh clarence he was the guy and the chickens and you know huge dude and the cherries and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff going on but it's like clarence was freaking hilarious every episode he had something really funny to say
1: and you were the one who said he has a radio show in michigan now correct Uh, i don't know if it's there anymore but he he did for
0: a while yes he had a sports talk radio show and and he's entertaining i mean he's talking sports and you know whatever Mm -hmm. but you know you have to you have to at least have an audience and you know carry people with you you know Mm -hmm. if you're going to remain on air and he did
2: well i'm Mm -hmm. just surprised that he doesn't have a radio show about food because I feel like that, that, I mean, that's like the half of Clarence Black in of Africa is him and food. Obviously, we have the first episode with the cherries and the beans, but not. And then he has these quotes, I think probably in episode six, where he talks about when he's eating food, he's thinking about food. When he's sleeping, he's thinking about food nonstop. And he talks about how he wants to be this food critic when he gets out of there and says that your pancakes better be extra fluffy. Your <laughs> something must be extra greasy. And, uh, and then uh, we see in this episode um, another storyline, uh, a great scene that Mario wrote about in the 115, which was the chicken incident. And it's just, it's perfect build up because they kind of have this whole debate about the chicken, whether or not they should eat it or not, which by the way, it's kind of weird Africa that even you get down to the final five, they still have a chicken that they haven't eaten yet. And they're worried about these lions coming to eat them, but it's fine for them to just keep this, you know, these, these chickens in their in their boma but whatever and so we get this build up before the challenge where clarence is the one who really wants to eat it and uh eat the, <laughs> eat these uh chickens because they're not laying an egg so um and then we obviously we go to the challenge they lose it they don't get the food and then we get the the greatest that ensues afterwards
1: yeah that was the one okay i'll try to build it up for people who haven't seen it or don't remember it which we're Clarence is, you know, is hungry. He wants to kill the chickens. He doesn't want to wait around and wait for them to lay eggs like everybody else wants. Clarence wants the meat right now, so he kind of makes everyone promise. He says, "You know, can we kill these chickens? Can we kill them? Can we kill them?" They're like, "All right, if if they don't lay an egg by tomorrow, then we can eat the chickens." So Clarence is all excited that. Because they've never laid an egg. So if they don't lay an egg by tomorrow, Clarence gets to eat the chicken. So he goes right up to the chickens, gets in their face, and starts taunting them. You know, I'm going to eat you. I'm going to eat you. You guys are dead tomorrow. You're on my, you're on notice now. It's death row. And then the next morning, you know, we cut to the next morning. Kim Johnson comes out to the chicken coop. She walks out there, and lo and behold, she finds one tiny little egg. Like if an ostrich laid an egg, it would be little, this little tiny egg, just like this. It's, it, looks,
2: like it looks like a marble. Mm-hmm. It's, like, tiny. Yeah,
1: not a, it's the Oster. exact opposite <laughs> of an ostrich sorry. sorry, sorry, I took some uh, peyote. I'm sorry. I'm a little, little off right <laughs> now. Yeah, it was a, If a small bird were to, were to lay an egg, this is what would, would come out. So you know, the rest of the tribe is just, oh wow, look an egg. What's Clarence going to do when he sees the egg? And and Teresa comes out and she's just flabbergasted. She's like, oh my god, an egg. And so the, it's just it's the whole minute long build of them sitting around giggling, waiting for Clarence to come out and see the egg. And I just love the scene, the way the editors treat it, where they, they have this music build up, like, boop, 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 boop. It's like this little whimsical music, and then the music stops right when Clarence comes out and sees the egg, and he's like, oh, hell Hello. no, <laughs> and they all start cracking up. And well, it's, yeah. to me, to this day, that's one of the funniest things I've ever seen on Survivor, and it's the one entry that people always ask me, if you could move one entry up on the Funny 115 to a higher place, what would you move? And I always say, the Clarence one should have been a top ten, and I, I'm I'm... Sad I didn't put it in the top ten.
2: Well, it's obviously funny because of Clarence, but it's also great how the other characters, you know, interact in it with with Kim doing her whole thing. And then she talks in this, like, really weird low voice trying to impersonate yeah. uh, Clarence. She's like, damn, damn those chickens. <laughs> and then you get, like you like you mentioned, Teresa's reaction. She goes, oh, an egg! Wow! It's just, it's a, it's a great then, character then, scene
0: for all of them. And then she realizes, like, oh my god, Clarence. Like, they all have this, you know... <laughs> moment and he had a great reaction to it with the oh hell no (laughs) like it was just
1: oh hell no
2: he just walks up and they like give that moment for him just to like kind of wait 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 for it wait till he sees it and then and then we get the great oh hell no
1: it's all timing and someone some what is it uh in the movie man on the moon with jim carrey he goes to the to india to ask him guru what the secret of comedy is and and the guy says the secret of comedy is silence and that's the whole Common, that's the whole genius of that moment it's all silent right until Clarence's build up right there until the the, uh, the punchline that, that's what kills me every time it's just the timing on that and then, and then Clarence goes over and taunts the chi- he's mad at the chickens afterwards which most people forget that part it's like I you made you. the smallest egg possible I hate you I hate, I hate you. you I hate you <laughs> <laughs> it's but a then, great scene but,
2: but then, I, then it just the, the scene ends great then they go well we decided we killed the chicken anyway and so they eat the chicken anyway and happily ever after
1: oh hell yes
0: <laughs> well and 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 just to go on a tangent i don't want to have like a huge conversation about it but the the reward challenge they actually won you know a a a bench of food you know it was sponsored by mountain dew or something and so they got mountain dew and then they got like you know like uh this pasta salad i think and like you know some some little cookies and stuff like that and it was like You know good step up for survivor you know like hey let's have a feast of just mountain dew and doritos it was like hey let's throw some actual carbs in there for once
2: (laughs) you know like the season two cats were like pissed when they saw that like are you kidding me (laughs) michael (laughs) Michael Scoopin may not have been so weak to pass out in the fire if he would have had some like a damn sandwich rather than just some doritos and mountain dew
1: (laughs) jervis is like i got one piece of pizza <laughs> well, I just I love the
2: I love that whole the challenge too because you know Kim Johnson, which I didn't realize this until um, I was we were talking about this before we started recording that um, uh, my girlfriend and her sister just finished a watching of Africa. My girlfriend had seen it before, but this was uh, um, her sister's first watching of it. And like one of the main comments she had was, "Kim Johnson is so boring." she's just so matter of fact, and the fact that she goes into this challenge and she has this interview where she predicts that it's going to be something really um cerebral. And they have her going through the book and all this stuff, so she's gonna be, you know, the really smart one because she falls down all the time. So she's gonna use her brain to win this for them. And then it's her fault that they lose the challenge because she says the the hippo is one of the top five uh, dangerous animals in Africa, and so she loses it. And just a great, a great little moment in there where she says sorry, guys, and has like Ethan kind of shaking his head, like rolling his eyes, like oh, are you serious?
0: No, <laughs> did 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 she say so boring or did she say
1: sobering? Oh, well, maybe, maybe sobering. <laughs> But that Kim, you know, she's old and she's blonde and there's just something hot about her. I just I was thinking about that right now. Well,
2: I think that she's hot, but only when she's <laughs> on the ground, after she's taken like a hard fall, you know.
1: Yeah, Paul's into date rape.
0: <laughs> a lot of a lot of roofies happening in the in the Bomas there.
1: Oh my gosh, we're so offensive this episode already. This is horrible. <laughs> this is the raciest thing to come out of Montana. Paul's not gonna be allowed home.
0: Yeah, seriously, I need to flee the state hey great podcast guys good night everybody
1: good night. how do you top date rape yeah you can't
0: well i know how you top date rate you go to an immunity challenge with 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 flaming arrows
1: good segue jay <laughs> great 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 challenge yeah i was just writing i have my little notes here i keep as i'm writing the episode and i'm like i i seriously wrote one of the best immunity challenges ever great music great timing just everything was perfect about it and I was watching it again and it, that whole archery challenge, just with the setup where frank is teaching the samburus how to or how the borans how to uh, shoot their arch their bows and everything because he was an archery teacher which i don't think a lot of people know but but he actually had some uh archery instruction background before that so he was like the guy the go-to guy then they go into the challenge they're all hitting the shots left and right there's the great music that that really is one of the better moments of the season that challenge
2: and, of course, you have the great scene with Brandon who uh, drops his, flame, his arrow, his flaming arrow, <laughs> and, ah, uh, eek! And he, like, you know, pulls back and stuff. It's, it's great.
1: Yeah. Also immortalized on the Funny 115. It's funny. That I didn't realize that Brandon and the arrows and Clarence and the chickens were in the same episode until right now. But, yeah, that's, that's quite a good comedic episode. You got both those iconic Africa comedy moments right there.
0: When you got Lex, who who who's kicking ass in the arrow challenge and he's kind of like holding the arrow sort of horizontally and down and he's kind of pumping it forward, almost like Al Pacino and Scarface with the, you know, (laughs) the say hello to my little friend, you know, and he's like, you know, firing off these arrows and it's, you know, hitting the little tiki men and boom and it's like, (laughs) wow, that's cocaine gangster right there.
1: Yeah, the thing that I always think of when I watch Lex shoot arrows is that he thinks it's a crossbow. Yeah. I picture him as, like, some James Bond villain with a crossbow trying to t- attack yep, him. Yeah,
0: <laughs> but he's got some attitude or, or as the young kids say, some swagger to it because it's not uh-huh. just, like, horizontal. I mean, he's kind of, like, you know, got his knees bent and, you know, he's kind of down in that stance, you know, like you would have, like, some big Jesse the Body Ventura minigun going on. It's like, <laughs> yeah, where's the Predator? Get him in it on it, too. That's right.
1: That's how they roll in the hippie commune of Santa Cruz. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just glocks out the ass there
2: and as much crap as i give kim johnson for uh screwing up challenges it is a great moment when she you know makes a makes a target i think she makes like the second to last one or something it's like kind of when they there's you no know, brands behind and and they need her to get a shot and she does so that's kind of a cool moment and ethan picks her up and throws her around
1: that was the one good kim johnson moment
2: yeah i only wish ethan would have dropped her after he picked her up
1: <laughs> well he didn't
0: because ethan has the tools to win paul he's got love and flexibility and understanding
1: <laughs> understanding good thank you yeah mm-hmm. yeah so yeah so we had baron winning the immunity challenge and then samburu getting sent to tribal council and that's when we get the big moment do the uh the kelly tom and lex trio have the right person to vote for because kim johnson has tipped them off that what was she passing the letter l to kelly in sign language like the l the l something like that and yeah. so they figured out that it means Lindsay. But I just
2: I just like love like just thinking about how that was you because know, they had never had a tribe shuffle before and I think it's because of this moment that they say okay well we can't do past votes anymore because if we're gonna shuffle people around that's a huge way you can screw people over is by just letting them mm-hmm. in on you know who has past votes and you know Kim was giving this L to Kelly and Kelly was trying to think what does the L mean you want me to lose you want to throw the challenge um, but then she clicked with her that it was Lindsay right but the funny part about it too is that she was she was Kim was saying Lindsay four votes like four but then oh. Kelly Ellie has this thing where she says. I think she also was telling me Brandon because she knows sign language. I don't know it, but I think that's I think that's B in sign language. you know which is like the four fingers sticking straight up. So it was like <laughs> this great moment of like of uh, Kim Johnson possibly screwing things up even more for for her tribe.
1: Uh, some advice to Lindsay: if you don't know sign language, don't guess what it means. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so they get the four votes against Lindsay. What is it? Lindsay against Tom in the tiebreaker, and then. They find out, Uh, wasn't that where Lindsay stands up and starts to leave before they even re- re-voted? It
2: is. Lindsay, sit it.
0: Yeah.
1: We're not done. We're not We're going to re-vote because, you know, you could change your vote, right? <laughs> yeah. Even though Lindsay's just tipped everyone off that she's about to leave. And everyone's bawling and crying, and it's just funny just to take a sneak it's peek. It's okay, out. guys.
2: It's okay. <laughs> just, you know, take a sneak peek of the next episode where Brandon's first interview is, oh my yeah. god, I'm <laughs> so glad Lindsay's gone. I am yeah. so glad she's
1: gone. Yeah, the Samburus were maybe not as tight as they led us to believe.
0: Well, you know, it, it's, you get into that situation and it's, it's a pressure situation and those guys bonded and, you know, it's Alliance to the end. And this is, you know, still early in the, in the run of the, of the game. So it's all about, you know, get into your tight Alliance. And that's why, you know, Silas said, take a knee. Everyone Mm -hmm. needs to support our success. They just couldn't fathom other possibilities in there. So, you know, you know, even other times, even in future seasons, like an all-stars where Rupert's got the, uh, 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 alliance with jenna he's like i'm very sorry i have an alliance with her but it's like you know they just kind of stuck it out it was like a a a really old marriage at that point
1: absolutely so uh, Lindsay gets voted out based on the tiebreakers and if i recall jeff's like you have previous votes and Lindsay's like a couple four Four. maybe (laughs) i was like then you know that Lindsay, you know Lindsay got a lot of crap. I think we talked uh, pretty sure we talked about this in the last one that yep. was quite hated to the point near near Jerry levels at the time where the stuff written about her was just vicious on the internet. But you watch it now and she's kind of a sweet girl and she goes out with a nice episode and I mean even more so than Jerry. I don't think she deserved any of the crap that she got other than maybe she was a little impulsive, she got a little cocky when she was in power, but other than that, she was a great character, and she's one that I always wish they would have brought back for All-Stars or something, because I think she would have had an entirely different character the second time around. I think she w- you would have been rooted for her as, like, an underdog the second time.
0: And she took her leaving well, you know? She yeah. She, you know, she's like, it's okay, and blah, blah, and, you know, again, no hard feelings. I'm out.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, nothing bad to say about Lindsay. I met her once in person. She was cool, and I'm pretty sure she's moved on from Survivor, but, yeah, it's, it's a shame that she got enough, as much crap as she did, but... Also, I will need to point that out to a lot of newer viewers that she did get a lot of crap, that Lindsay was in no way a minor character. Like, she was maybe the most focal character in Africa the first six or so episodes just because everyone directed all their anger towards her as the most annoying member of the Mallrats. So she was a huge, hated character at the time, which I don't think she deserved. What if
0: she isn't over it? What if she thinks about it every night and also that one time she was at that one place and met that one super Lindsay fan named (laughs) Mark... Martin, I don't know. Like, What What if she's like, I wish I remembered his name. I'm just
1: happy I brought joy to her life in some way. That's good.
2: Maybe, yes, she'll, exactly. maybe she'll stumble upon this, and uh, it'll reignite her survivor flame.
1: I'd like to think so. I'd like to think that I, I prevented the suicide that was coming.
0: Date rape and suicide. This is just <laughs> fantastic.
1: That's right. We're off the hook tonight. So
2: with that, Ooh. let's drop our buffs. We're merged. <laughs> Woohoo!
0: Yay with a feast.
2: And this Is, is that like the one with the... brunch? We need to talk about the scene because that's awesome, the brunch scene. Talk about brunch. You talk about brunch. Oh <laughs> this It is <laughs> awesome that the that, that the Buran tribe has to teach Frank what the term brunch means. And he's like, what is exactly is brunch again? Yeah. <laughs> And they're like, you know, just, of course it has to be Kim to just give such a literal thing here. It's, it's a combination, combination of Breck, or no, well, first she's like starts to explain, like, it's just this food that you, you know, you, depending where you go, you get a lot for your money and you get blah, blah, blah. blah. And he's like, and it's served when? Which yeah. is <laughs> mm-hmm. great. Typical French.
0: I'm from the military. I have no concept of brunch. <laughs> I
1: know. I was just waiting for the deleted scene where she has to explain to him what lunch and breakfast are, too. All right, so we get, uh, what else happens before the merge? We got the brunch, we have Lex making Tom the uber spoon.
2: (laughs) Yes. I mean, there's just a lot in general, just a lot of buildup of, uh, you know, Kelly getting annoyed with Lex, um, all the tribes waiting, is the merge going to really happen, you know, because this is the first time we've had some kind of tribal shuffle, like, in the past it's been pretty ritual when the merges happen, so a lot of questions out there about what's going to happen for the tribes.
0: And that's that's another with the lex and the spoon. That's another way that you can tell that there is absolutely, you know, again, live cameras on the survivor camps. Like you can tell there's absolutely nothing fucking going on there cuz these guys are going out of their minds cuz he's just he whittled a spoon and he, he's talking about it. It's it's almost like he has a relationship with it. You know, he's just like, "Oh, I'm really proud of that." You know, it's uh, it's I might take it home with me. Well, it's like, "You're t- Oh my god, you're talking about a spoon you
1: whittled." That's the scene. I'm not really the biggest Kelly Goldsmith fan, but I I love that confessional where she's like, am I the only one who notices that Lex is really weird? Like he walks around talking in his dad voice. (laughs) I think I think that's from the Uber spoon scene, if I recall. Yes, that is.
0: Kelly's got gems here. So we'll keep going with this.
1: And I think that's the first mention of Kelly versus Lex kind of right there where she's starting to get annoyed with him. I don't remember if it came before that, but it's right around here. They're building up this arc. You can see that Kelly's going to get voted out in a couple episodes.
2: Yeah, no, we had no indication, you know, I mean, prior to the, you know, Lindsay vote off of there being any kind of fraction in Baron, And then we have her flat out, you know, say if she thought the merge would never happen, she'd vote out Lex in a heartbeat.
1: Yep. So we head right up to the uh, merge. And like you said, it's one of those things where... They build up. Are they going to merge? Are they not going to merge? Which, if you watch the season now, kind of seems pointless since you know they merge. <laughs> I guess at the time it was kind of a, a suspenseful deal. Are they going to merge?
2: Well, and up to that point, the first two seasons there was such a ritual involved with with the merge. You know, in the first season we had the ambassadors. Last season we had this, this, you know, the shifting of the of the men and the women went to different camps. This season we showed up for a challenge, we dropped our buffs, and hey, we're merged. mm mm-hmm.
0: Mhm. Yes. Absolutely. And we, we, yeah, this is this is the cool, uh, you know, bucket of water. Hold it up with your, with your arm challenge.
1: Yeah, that was the first time I'd ever done that on Survivor. And to this day, that's one of my favorite challenges. I always love when they bring that one back. I know they brought it back in fans versus favorites. Did they bring it back a third time? I'm trying to think well, here.
2: Well, we had it in All-Stars. All-Stars.
1: We oh, had it, it, too, we had it right, fans versus yeah.
2: favorites. We had it in heroes hmm. versus villains. I think we had it even really recently, like One
0: World or something. Yeah, I think One World did it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that's a cool challenge. I always loved, like I've said before, I'm a sucker for those endurance challenges where it's just who wants it the most. And it's the best when they have it in the middle of the season, like the water bucket. It's the perfect example. It's the really the only endurance challenge they kind of have in the middle of the season. And yeah, this was the first. So this is the one with the epic uh, T-Bird versus Clarence showdown at the end. Was there anything else that happened uh, prior to that? I'm trying to think. I know to offered them food. None none of them would take the food. And then uh, Kelly's like, oh, I do this all the time, Jeff. I love this. I practice it at home.
2: (laughs) Well, we we get the solo from uh, T-Bird.
0: Yeah, she sings Tomorrow.
1: Now, you know what's funny is for a long time, Survivor Africa was not released on DVD. They had Borneo and they had Australia. And Africa didn't come out for a long time. And the word on the street, I don't know if this is true or not, but people said, well, because Teresa sang tomorrow that they weren't sure they could get the rights to that song and it would have cost too much to release Africa. And that was kind of the rumor on the internet that because of that scene, that's why Africa would never be released on DVD, which eventually it did get released. I don't know if they had to pay for the rights to that song or what, but I've heard that before. Other people say that survivors are not supposed to sing popular songs on the show because it screws up the footage and marketing and stuff like that because then they have to pay for the rights to air that song.
0: Knowing the rights it takes to put on a show you know, at a high school level even to rent out uh, you know Annie and stuff like that. I can't imagine that that tomorrow from Annie is not in Survivor's budget. Honestly, now if yeah, who if, if they can make Colby's crime spree in the coral reef go away, they can <laughs> at least buy
1: Annie. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah. So Teresa sings her song, and one of the notes, if I recall, was quite off key. But uh, we'll give her a pass because we love T-Bird. Big fans here on the show, Teresa. In case you're listening,
2: love Teresa. Yeah, right.
1: Teresa. Mario has a type. <laughs> hey, Teresa wrote me first. You can't blame me on that one. Uh, yeah, so uh, so we have Teresa and Clarence in the finals there at the immunity challenge. You got a—that's uh, somewhere where they cut the deal, right? That they do the rock paper scissors. Right. Yes. And Teresa wins, so Clarence, ever the noble gentleman, steps down and allows to win immunity, which in the end ends up really costing him. But, Hi, my name's Clarence. Yeah. Vote me out. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm a big threat, and everyone on my alliance hates me. Vote me out, please. Oh, and I'm gonna eat all your food. Yeah, but at the food,
0: you know, what what goes good with food? I know. Let's play. I never.
2: <laughs> and leading up <laughs> yeah. to that, we have to go like you know, twist Frank's hand to get him to come uh, <laughs> to come join the festivities. Because mm-hmm. as everyone else is uh, cracking open the bottle of wine and eating the cheese and crackers, he uh, walks out and goes and picks up some wood.
1: Yeah, what stuff- shit to do. <laughs> What what's that quote he says that that's like a family reunion and his name was wrong or something like he that? He said uh
2: it's he was imagine you've been invited to a Wagner family reunion and your last name is Smith. It's just how it felt.
1: That's a perfect awkward Frank transition. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Frank, thank you. Yeah, you make a good point. I understand now. Yeah, so he goes out and gathers wood and they have to yeah, they have to bring him, get him to come back. They beg him and Kelly has some great confessional that you know. There's a lot of people out there with personality issues, and she thinks medication can maybe help them, like Frank.
0: It's great. I mean, it's so biting, and yet at the same yeah. time, it's not direct. She's not just saying Frank is a is a freaking lunatic. I mean, she's just like you know, there's people with personality disorders, and they take medicine. Frank should have medicine.
1: <laughs> yeah, very good. And she, I think, is like a doctor of psychiatry now, so she knows she knows she knows what she's talking about. Yeah, actually, she yeah. can. I know. <laughs> she can prescribe the pills. Exactly.
2: I'm not, I'm not sure exactly what, what she's, uh, you know, what exactly her area is, like her, her uh, specific area, but I know she's a professor at uh, Northwestern.
1: Yep. And I know that she hates when her students talk to her in their dad voice.
2: <laughs> I hear that'll get him, and she does not appreciate um, the the prefix Uber.
1: Yeah, and she gets mad when they yell at her like she's five and she took cookies, but she didn't. But she didn't, Yeah. <laughs>
0: She also has Shameless written really, really large on her blackboard.
1: But, you know, she loves her mom and her dad. Let's yeah. segue right into the I Never game, which Paul Paul brought up earlier, which, again, on the Funny 115, one of my favorite entries, where they talk uh, Frank into playing a risque sex-type game, and he totally doesn't understand the concept.
2: It's so awkward. I mean, we get in here, <laughs> T-Bird admitting that she's had sex on an airplane, and everyone's like, ooh! ah. talking about like walking out in a crowd naked and then frank i have never broken the honor of a handshake yeah and it's like awkward pause it's a couple clocks no no yeah that's good that's a good
1: one frank good answer good answer frank good answer
0: (laughs) yeah it's always that fifth person in family feud that's like you know the second cousin or you know just the person they needed to round out the 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 five people and you know they're just like name something that you put in your bedroom a
1: lion (laughs) <laughs> yeah lion good oh line. yeah oh yeah good, good, good. yeah good, job. good answer yeah and barb has a lion good answer <laughs> yeah so i love that scene with frank and then that pretty much ends the game not only does it ruin the game it ends the game so frank is the ultimate sex game killer what a cock block <laughs> yeah. when you think of frank you think of cock block especially if it's a at the wagner family reunion <laughs>
2: and your last name is smith
1: i understand <laughs> horrible i would think that uh, if you're okay. at a
0: wagner family in your last name smith your chances of getting action may go up actually
1: it's possible it's a good point very true if it if you're in a plane there's a good chance you'll make it with t-bird note for to self don't... get on a plane <laughs> yes for those of you who do not remember during the i never game t-bird admits that she once had sex on an airplane which considering she used to be a flight attendant makes sense and also makes me way more interested in flight attendants
0: I wonder if that, you know, I mean, this is all pre nine eleven, 11 right? Because, you know, this is all going yeah. on. It's like, I wonder if, you know, you know, like they have to deplane and get everyone off the plane. Like, I wonder if, you know, if you're a flight attendant and stuff like that, you can just kind of hang back and sit in the plane and, you know, you have better opportunities for that.
1: If we have any listeners that are flight attendants, please write in and, and answer this question. This it's is 30. important to Survivor. Exactly. We must know. post nine eleven, are you allowed to have sex in planes?
0: Okay. So you know and after all the fun i never game clarence gets voted out it's very unceremonious and uh we all saw it coming and well done clarence and you never got a chance because you ate two cherries on the first day let's go to the next one yeah
2: i mean i mean j- just to close out this episode i'll say for for a merge episode it's pretty like cut and dry not that much action you know it has these two really big episodes really exciting ones before it the lindsay episode and the kelly episode that we're heading into right now so it's just kind of as like used to wrap up some get rid of Lindsay. let's set up kelly and lex not really getting along we get that interview with kelly saying that lex um you know critiquing that how he can't boldface lie to uh uh clarence so he can inconve he can uh not tell him the truth all day when that would be inconvenient but at the last minute he'll slip in the truth and that's going to make him an ethical person
0: right i guess the only really important vote of this whole thing i mean clarence just gets womped out of here by the mm-hmm. thing, but T-, T Bird and Clarence, when they had their little rock paper scissors, blah blah blah, they had to, you know. She said she wouldn't vote for Clarence, and mm-hmm. so she didn't, and she voted for Lex, and this starts the whole bunch of fun.
1: Oh, you can always vote for Lex. That'll always go over well. No problems there. He'll
0: he'll take it. He'll take it. You know, really in stride. You know, mm-hmm. and say, you know, it doesn't matter. I've got a solid majority. We voted out Clarence eight to two. So you know, everything's good, and I don't need to worry about it.
2: Exactly, and that's pretty. Yeah. Yeah, that, that is the theme of this next episode is Lex's witch hunt for who voted for him.
1: Ah, uh, yes, this is, it's funny if there was maybe three episodes, I'd say were the most important from Africa. I would say obviously the twist and then I'd say this next one coming up and then we'll get to the finale, which I think is a big deal later. But yeah, this one, uh, I believe it's episode nine, episode eight, I think is a recap. So this is technically nine and it's entitled smoking out the snake or something like that. And, yeah, that's a good title for this episode because that's pretty much what it is. This is Lex, you know, on from the episode before, Clarence got voted out, something like, what, eight to one, eight to two, and the other vote for, the other two votes were for Lex. One came from Clarence and one came from Teresa for no reason other than she couldn't vote for Clarence, and she was a little worried that Lex was so likable and so powerful. So she just throws a meaningless vote at him, knowing it won't do anything, and he just absolutely flips out, and now we have the second half of the season starting right now where Lex flips out, and it's a two seconds of episode
2: nine well do you think that we should take a little aside here and and at least give some attention to the awesome reward uh challenge and the following reward before we uh dive too much into the the witch hunt of uh of lex vandenberg
0: yeah we can i mean this episode is i mean game wise the the lex vote drives the whole thing around camp but i think that this episode is really the the coolest reward possibly ever in survivor that you know really kind of takes center stage here
1: I agree. We were just watching this episode this afternoon. I was kind of skimming through Africa. And, you know, this episode came on and I got to the goat reward. And I'm like, oh, I'd rather, I like to watch that. I don't want to skim through that. And my wife just get, kind of was passing by the room and she stops in. She sees Ethan with a goat. She's like, I love that scene. And that's all she said. And that's, I know so many people that feel that way about this scene. And I would agree with it that this may be the all time best reward scene in survivor history where Ethan and Lack go and barter the goats in the village.
0: Yes, so they they play a little matching game, and uh, Ethan wins, and it was a, it was between Ethan and Lex at the end, right? I it think. was
1: uh, yeah, Ethan and Lex, I believe. Ethan
0: and Lex in the end, and Ethan wins, and uh, you know he's told he's going to go to the local village. And he's going to get some money and he can uh, or he's going to get some goats and he can barter them for money and, you know, any other things he can barter and whatnot. And so he's going to this village and everyone's super jealous and they give him little items like hats and, you know, things that they have slightly extra of. And they're like, hey, find me something cool or blah, blah, blah. And it's like then, you know, the crazy guy with the AK shows up in the in the in the in the car and uh they, they, they struggle to get the goats in, and then Probe's Tez is like, hey, Ethan, man, I'm buddy-buddy with you. One day I'll have a talk show. And pick somebody to go with you. And he takes Lex, and they go off on just this incredible adventure in the village.
1: And what's funny is a lot of people just remember that as being funny, as being a comedic scene, but it's there's a lot of really touching moments in this, as we'll, we'll kind of get to it in a second. But yeah, it's, it's comedy, it's culture, you learn about Africa. There's no strategy whatsoever. This is just entirely... Character building and kind of scenery background building, and it's got some really neat stuff going in there. Especially, I, I wrote about it on the Funny 15 They get to the they get to the African village, and you know they're getting off, and they have to unload the goats themselves, and they are not experienced in the world of goat unloading. Tom probably would have helped in that one, but he couldn't, he wasn't there. But yeah, so they're getting off, and all the villagers are laughing at him. And i it, my favorite quote in that whole scene is where Lex goes, "You won this, right? This is a reward. This isn't like a punishment or a hazing."
2: I. Know, that's the half the fun of the reward. Just watching them like try to unload these goats and try to find where they're gonna go buy this and you know, drop them off. No help. Um, you can go sell these. Uh, good luck with that.
0: Yeah, and they get off with, with these goats. Everyone's laughing at them. They're immediately you know, sticking out like a sore thumb in this village, and they're trying to barter these goats. And it's great because they're trying to get a good price for the goats, blah, blah, blah. They finally get the goats, and they're super excited that this guy took the goats. And they're like, awesome, these goats are going to go out to the pasture. And the guy buys them and immediately makes a beeline for the butchery.
1: <laughs> That's great. Again, you couldn't have written that into a... Into a fiction show and it would come up as, re- as uh, realistic but yeah in real life you know they sell the goats it's like yeah we sold the goats these goats are going to live in a pasture they'll be happy and healthy and two seconds later right into the butcher
0: <laughs> yep and then they get their money and then the first thing they do is they go to a restaurant and they're presented with meat which they're very skeezed out about they're presented uh-huh. with their cornmeal mush and then they're like oh fries yes yep. fries
1: but it's something like a thousand shillings worth of fries. I'm not sure what that translates to, but you look at the size of the platter that they're eating, and it's like a giant platter of French fries just smothered in oil. Which, on their poor little system, you know, Ethan is has the shits five minutes later He's in the outhouse. Yeah, but I love,
2: I love that scene. I love that they show the hole that um Ethan,
0: you know, did his business in. That's that's just good documentary documentary
1: work there. Exactly. So now we know. If we ever, if we're ever in an Africa and go to that village, you can find the hole where Ethan took a dump in. I
2: would love to take a picture in that outhouse.
1: <laughs> that'd be great. That'd, oh. be like my, that'd be like
2: my profile picture for a decade.
1: It would be yeah. If you took an old lady, threw her down, and then squatted down next <laughs> to the, the hole and took a picture of it. <laughs> that'd be like profile
2: picture for a century. That's like picture on my tombstone, please. <laughs>
0: Uh, we've gone to date rape. We've gone to death. We've now gone to taking pictures of shitholes. This is awesome. <laughs>
2: this is uh, yeah, I think we're g- <laughs> This is Survivor Africa, down and dirty. Well, well I think we're g-
0: <laughs> g- we're going to get the explicit rating
1: on iTunes on this one. I'll tell oh, you Oh my!
0: Well, and what's <laughs> great is you know, and it's it's the fun touchy feely stuff, but it is it is uh, stuff to be mentioned. You know, they they eat this expensive lunch of fries where they just gorge themselves. And uh, then afterwards, they used the remaining money and the stuff they had. Ethan, you know, bartered the shirt even off his back and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they got a bunch of trinkets and some, you know, like a whole box of cookies. They got some pretty cool shit from for all the stuff they had to barter with.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It's I was just, like I said, I was just watching that scene. And, like, it's so touching, the whole thing at the end where they're bartering the stuff. And they have some guy who says it's in the know. This is like the village genius. He's going to show them around. And so, and then Ethan, you know, meets, meets up with the little kids, and he gives them his hacky sack, and they start playing with it. And like, Ethan's all touched because when he gets on the, the bus, he's like waving to the kids. He tosses them the hacky sack, and they're crying. Like, that's easily one of the sweetest things I've ever seen on Survivor. And you hear people these days talk about Survivor, the old days especially, and they'll say stuff like, well, Ethan was boring, you know, he didn't do anything in Africa, no one cared about him. Like, watch that scene, like, right there. That's why everyone fell in love with Ethan, because of that scene right there. And that's more important than almost anything Richard ever did or Tina ever did. And as we'll get to this later, Ethan really became the first really popular fan favorite winner. And I always say, that's the scene that does it right there. You can't talk about Africa without that scene, because that's so important
0: without getting too much into it, I mean, that's kind of, you know, what he does today. You know, he, he still kind of deals, you know, grassroots soccer and all that sort of stuff is kind of dealing with, you know, uh, stuff over in Africa. He was touched by that day. He was, you know, and it's like, you know, we're touched as an audience watching it, but it was an even more profound effect on him. And it, it comes through, I think, in the footage.
1: It does. It's just amazing. And it just it kills me when I see Survivor nowadays and they don't do scenes like that anymore just if there's maybe one or two biggest complaints i had of what they don't do on survivor anymore that's one of them they don't have these cultural visits where people visit villages they're touched by the culture and africa is probably better than any other season in that regard and how much they instead of bringing like the culture to the players they brought the players out to the culture like go out to a village go deliver aid supplies to a hospital go on a balloon ride like ethan was right there smack dab in a real african village interacting with real african kids and like you said it touched his life and to this day it's still what he believes and still what he does you can just see it do you think maybe they have uh outings like that
0: planned you know like in samoa or something like that but then Russell hance wins the reward challenge and they're like oh god
1: <laughs> we're gonna bring him here and he's like these tribal warriors don't know who they're dealing with <laughs> yeah. It's possible. I do think that maybe if Silas had won the African visit or to deliver the AIDS supplies, it might not have been such a touching scene. You I, better dance you better dance better. I'll put you in the jury.
2: I just like hit a knee, kids. I'm just like picturing Russell Hand standing next to the, the small Italian do- Italian doctor at the at the
1: orphanage and just it just doesn't it, it does not really work. Picture I, Russell digging digging through all the boxes of the AIDS test looking for an idol.
2: There's, there's an idol clue in here, I know it.
1: My hat is better than your outfit, Colonel
0: Sanders. (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) so it's the greatest rule, whatever. Ethan comes back, he regales them, he gets them little candies, he shows off the cookies. Everyone's like, yay, great, wow, you went on the coolest thing in the history of ever. And then we get right back into who the hell voted for Lex.
1: (laughs) Yes, which is the entire rest of the episode and really the next two episodes, too, for the most part. Yeah, so... Lex is just pacing around like a like a, a wounded cat all day. Like, who did it? Who voted for me? And he had some great quote on it, how it torques me. It pisses me off. I will not live with a snake. I will cut their head off. And so and Lex then, just go ahead.
2: Then and then it's like cut to scene of Teresa. Like, I know what you're all about. I know you're the real deal. And um, you know this person's just gonna you know gonna shoot themselves. And Teresa's just kind of like, right. Right. <laughs> and then yeah. the great fetch of her it was it was my ugh.
1: sick that, I did it, it. it now. I think Lex always says in acting Well, my gut says you're good and I always trust my gut, which yeah, yeah, yeah. it's kind of the running joke the running joke the whole rest of the season that every time Lex says his gut knows something he's wrong. So yeah, so so yeah, so Teresa had thrown a meaningless vote at Lex. Lex freaks out and Lex doesn't really know, you know, he takes it personally, someone's out to get me, and Kelly of course is all too happy to chime in behind the scenes with someone voted for you Mr. Ego deal with it
0: yeah well he uses this then to kind of flip it around you know Kelly is just being real flippant and doesn't like Lex much and then Brandon of course you know kind of ingratiates himself with Lex a little bit and Lex is you know Lex is trying to sort out his end game and blah 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 and you know he just basically says you know I think Kelly's gotta go and so you know this is one of the first again another sort of Sort of weird first in Survivor. I mean, they literally, I mean, it's not the first time that a majority tribe after the merge has, you know, picked off one of their own before a complete pogonging but it was like, I mean, there was no, this is not like we're stringing Jerry along for the ride or something like that. Like, you know, Kelly was with them and then Lex is like, nope, we need to, I've got my own thing. We're going to go with it. It was a it, it kind of a monumental shift in a way.
1: It was, yeah. And it's one of those where, where, yeah, it's you vote off one of the members of your own alliance for no real reason. Lex just kind of snaps. And it's funny because no one is even trying to make him snap, which I think Brandon says something like, you know, I wish I would have done it because it worked. Someone got into his head. Yeah, and so Lex has just all of a sudden deduces that Kelly did it, which we'll we'll talk about this more in a second, whether if Kelly deserves it, this will deserve a whole discussion. But yeah, for something that Kelly apparently along the way had just, you know, ticked Lex off and gotten under his skin. So he flips out, he decides that she's done it, and he decides he's going to turn the whole vote against Kelly, whether his alliance mates really want to or not. And this is kind of where we kind of see the dark side of Lex for the first time, where, you know, be, Alliance, be damned! I'm going to do this, and you guys going to go with me, just because this is what I want to do, and I'm Lex. And this is kind of where he kind of goes off the rails a little bit.
0: Well, this is where you see friction between Lex and Tom. That kind of, you know, is a weird underlying for time because Tom's like, I don't know if you want to vote Kelly, and you know, if she actually didn't vote for you, then I mean, this is not right. And, you know, he he's yeah. correct; she didn't. And you know, they they have some friction in the next few episodes. I mean, they stick with each other and all that sort of stuff. But you know, Tom's just like, you know, that Lex. I don't know, dude.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's funny, the more the more often I watch Africa, the more I realize that there was a little cold war between Tom and Lex. I didn't really catch it the first time I saw it in 2001. But you watch it now, and they actually have a couple nasty scenes where they really are kind of after each other, kind of passive-aggressively a little bit. And yeah, it kind of starts right around here, where Tom's like, you know, we might not be doing right by Kelly here, just trusting Lex's gut, because he didn't know. There's no proof that Kelly actually voted for him. So Tom is kind of the first one to verbalize that. I can't.
0: Say for sure everything because people's stories change when they come back. And I think that Lex, over the years, you know, because Lex is such a good guy and, you know, what happened in All Stars and stuff like that, like we have you know we have judged lex as a very good person in hindsight and so a lot of people are like you know if lex got to the final two i might have voted for him and blah 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 but it's like there's this undercurrent of anti-lex that stems from several people through Mm -hmm. africa and i'm not saying he's like some super villain or super hated but like you know if everyone's just like oh yeah everyone just loved and respected lex out there not true at all
1: yeah he would have been decimated by ethan in a final vote now i'm not entirely sure he would have beaten kim like you think he would, but you don't know because Kim never really pissed anybody off. So, it's, I mean, it's a toss-up. You never know. I mean, yeah, you don't know. It's close. Although, again, I should point out I don't, I don't think Lex is as bad as a lot of people on the internet like to make him out to be. He's easily one of the more hated people on the internet among most Survivor fans from what I've seen. But I don't – we'll get to more of that when we get the All-Stars. <clears throat> but, yeah, he was actually – I mean he's, he walks that line really – Really tightly between being respected and being kind of disliked in Africa, he's right there, and it's tough to tell which side he would have fallen more onto if he would have won a vote at the end on, based on respect or if people just didn't like him. And there's really no way to know at this point. Well, anyway,
2: the, and then yeah, go ahead. I was going to say, and then the other whole you know side of this whole thing going on, this whole now you know this Lex is turning on Kelly, really opened the door. Obviously, the advantage was not taken fully advantage of because of a certain Mr. Brandon Quinton, but... Um, with Lex turning on, you know, one of his own Broad members, that leaves the possibility, um, with Kelly going over to Samburu, a possible five versus four, you know, overtaking, which is just, you know, crazy to think about, you know, what would it be today if, if that had actually gone through? And, you know, it's interesting that when, when, you know, Kelly flips over and she could kind of, I don't really have another choice, kind of be with you guys, and you know, Kim, you really kind of see Kim Powers it's kind of like the one time you really see her kind of really hustling, trying to, you know, throw some strategy out there, and Tiber's lining the strategy off, we never really see much from Frank, but we know Frank does vote in line with them. And so now we have this situation where we have Brandon stuck in the middle. You know, do I stick with my old Samburu people, which I'm really glad Lindsay's gone. I don't really like her anyway. Uh, Kim's kind of disposable to me now, and I really don't like Frank. Um, or am I going to go with Lex, this new person I bonded with, and uh, with his whole alliance. So um, it's such an interesting thing, which they could have edited this episode to, they could have shown every single person's vote at Tribal Council and left Brandon for last, but no, when we get there, we'll talk about it, but we, we see Brandon's votes. So. So, that, I mean, that ends the suspense right there.
1: Yeah, it is weird when you watch this episode that they show Brandon's vote. Although, I understand why they did it, and I'm kind of glad they did because I, it's just kind of honest storytelling. Other episodes are kind of dishonest. This one was honest. That here's what's going to happen, and here's why. So, you kind of understand it at home. And I'm not sure if they had not shown Brandon's vote, if it really would have made sense at home. Well, so it's I mean, one it, of those, yeah. it, was,
2: it was reminiscent of Survivor at the time that that was like a very like I, I remember watching. I mean, grandchild I was much younger. It wasn't like it wasn't as dead of a giveaway to see, you know, his vote because they they would never do something like that. Show everyone's vote except for one. You know, but now when you watch back, if you have a, a friend of yours rewatch it and they're like, wait, did they show Brandon's vote? And you're like, yeah, yeah, they did. OK, well, there you go.
0: Yeah, and and it doesn't translate when you look at modern and, and old Survivor, and I think it's because it's not one's better than the other, even though I think that way, but uh, it's it's different purposes. You know, modern Survivor is all about just the surprise. You know, they just kind of mm-hmm. want to have that aha moment. So they'll hide all the votes except for the one semi-controversial one, and then you'll find out as Jeff's flipping over the votes, although you can pretty much tell beforehand. I mean, there's mm-hmm. only a handful. But, like, back then, you know, it's 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 less about, like, you know, surprising you with the outcome of the vote. It's more telling the story of what happened leading up to that vote and why that vote is that way. And so it was just two different purposes, I think.
1: Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just editing choices, which way do the editors want to go. And I'm glad they went this way on the Brandon vote, but it is, it was a controversial moment. It was a moment that people were talking about on the internet. It's a moment that people still talk about today. The why the hell did Brandon join Lex? Why couldn't, why couldn't we have voted Lex out when we should? Why, why couldn't Kelly have won that showdown? And I guess this is the thing. Like, uh, <clears throat> to this day, people still argue this. Like, should Kelly have been voted out? Did she ask for it? Most people don't think she did. Most people think, well, Lex was just a dick and voted her out, and he's all paranoid. I've always been a little more on the other camp that Kelly kind of asked for it a little bit and that she was a little too sneaky around someone that's a little paranoid. Like, you don't be that good making friends with the other side if you know that your leader is that spooked by it so i don't think she's entirely blameless in all this even though i'm i know i'm in the minority on that opinion
0: this is lex right i mean he's going ape shit because he whittled a spoon you know and, <laughs> and he seems like a you know and he with clarence and the cherries i mean you know he the th- the thing about lex is that you know he's telling you what he's thinking i mean he's not you know, wear every single emotion on his sleeve. He's got some guile and some savviness to you, to him. But you know, he he's he's gonna let you know where you stand. And so it seems to me like. You know, he he seemed easily riled. He seems easily upsetable and easily happy. He, you know, he's he's quick to go to any emotion. So it's like throwing that vote and, you know, being kind of coy around him or just being like, you know, I don't think blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, what are you going to do? You're going to piss him off. He's going to be pissed, and you're in this tight and closed space, so you're not being eaten by a lion, whittling mm-hmm. spoons, and having nothing else to do but kind of go insane thinking about all this stuff. Like, yeah, of course, you know, don't do that crap.
2: And Lex is, I mean, he's smart enough and perceptive enough that I'm sure if— Kelly had these problems with him building up. I'm sure he had some problems with Kelly, or at least knew that Kelly wasn't, you know, Lex's best friend. So, I mean, this whole thing couldn't have come out of nowhere. There it, there had to have been some foundation of mistrust with Kelly in the first place, you know, for him to come, you know, come up with this thing. And Kelly, you can't say that Kelly's this big, big victim in the whole thing, because I mean, here she was the last two episodes talking about how she can't stand Lex. He thinks he's a really, you know, ethical player. He's not. I want to vote out Lex. Well, I mean, he, uh, he kind of beat her to the punch on it.
1: Yeah, to me, this has always been one of those episodes. And it's funny that it, the second one also involves Lex, but like Lex versus Boston Rob in All-Stars. You have to take a side when it comes to the scene. You can't be neutral or ambivalent. You've got to say, well, I'm Team Lex or Team Rob. And it's almost the same way with Lex and Kelly. You can't really talk about the scene without saying, well, this person screwed up or this person deserved it. It's a tough. And it's, I always see those two situations very parallel. And it's just either funny or fitting that Lex was involved in both of them. <laughs> Yay, Lex. Yeah, but again, I will say that Kelly was not entirely blameless. She probably should have known what she was dealing with. Lex, obviously, was not entirely blameless, and, and especially when the fact when that uh, Kelly's number one job, when they kind of went over to Samburu, as Lex said, to kind of get in with them, be the spy, ingratiate yourself. So if Kelly has ingratiated herself with the other Samburus, it's kind of Lex's fault, too, because he told her to do that. So, again, there isn't really a, a 100% victim here. They both played it incorrectly, and it was just a tragedy for both of them. I mean, it might have ended up costing Lex the win in the long run. Who knows? But, yeah, it's just really poor social strategy and gameplay on both their parts. That's how I look at it.
0: And you know what, you know what makes me feel better, though, you know, thinking about Lex and his problems with people and his epic struggles? I like that. to I like to see an odd couple see a movie in the middle of Africa, maybe about <laughs> Africa.
2: <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't until we just talked about this and I started looking ahead. It's like every single reward this season is awesome. I mean, we even will get to it here. We get a revival of the Survivor auction. That's awesome. I mean, they don't do one reward wrong here after the merge.
0: No, it's all fantastic. And, you know, episode nine, we do, you know, we had Brandon kind of jumping over to a... Uh, 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 lex's side and this kelly vote out but then you know brandon is now going to you know have the fallout and as is lex but it almost takes aside you know the, the strategy the gameplay even though it's there and it is pretty cutthroat and ruthless when you do look at it you know this episode is dominated by the reward challenge where they you know get randomly paired and brandon and frank of course get paired and everyone thinks this is like the most fucking funniest thing they've ever had in their life. <laughs> which may be because it was funny or because they're whittling spoons all day. Again, I'm going to go back to this.
1: (laughs) Well, you got to, you forgot one thing about this next, next episode. Yes. It was odd that they dedicated half the episode to, you know, the Brandon and Frank date, but that's because the other half of the episode was dedicated to pus coming out of Tom's neck.
2: (laughs) Jay strategically uh, skipped the, the pus coming out of Tom's neck.
1: uh, (laughs) He's blocked it out. He's, he's, is, is, in an attempt to stay sane, he's mentally blocked out Tom's boil, which is the good first 10 minutes of this episode. That is true. You know, <laughs> that is all very true. See, your, your psyche is protecting you. You don't want to remember the pus coming out of Big Tom. But yeah, that's, that's what you think. They're whittling spoons. They're you know, just sitting around talking about nothing. They're fascinated by Tom's boil. Like, there wasn't a whole lot going on in Africa, and this is something you mentioned in, in part one of our podcast, they're stuck in this boma so they can't explore if they leave they die get eaten so it was kind of one of the flaws of the setup of africa and that they're just contained in one area and so you do get a lot of little character scenes a lot of pus scenes a lot of you know whittling spoon scenes and that's kind of one of the people the flaws people have pointed out about africa they couldn't go anywhere they were just stuck there and so what to follow up on what paul said is thank god the rewards were so good this season because they make you forget that a lot of the camp life stuff there wasn't much to talk about
0: Yep, and Brandon and Frank navigate an obstacle course together, win a couple of heats, and uh, they win a date. They get to go on a date where they get to go to a place where they kind of set up a janky hot dog and popcorn machine and a projector, and they showed out of Africa because
1: that's original. Yes, although you forgot the moment in the challenge where Brandon is Frank's task after he's whipping him and yelling at him. Go, Frank!
2: Go, go, go!
1: Come on, Frank! (laughs) You got the yeah. ladder, Frank! Easily, you know, that was one of the scenes that inspired me to write the funny 115. Just Africa's chock full of these goofy moments, and Frank and Brandon ending up on a date together may be the best of the all.
2: And who else was crossing their fingers when Kim was uh, climbing that ladder? Who was hoping for a fall? Anyone else? Anyone else?
1: <laughs> Sorry. Crickets.
0: <laughs> oh. What about Kim Johnson thong shot? What? Say uh,
1: what? We're, we're past that, Jay. Come on.
0: Oh. Sorry, my retinas are still burning.
1: (laughs) Yeah, so so they they have the date. It's great. It's awesome, right? It's awesome, and what's funny is I can't think of one other thing from this episode that's significant. (laughs) Like, there's the pus, there's the date, and then Kim gets pissy, Kim Powers gets pissy and votes out Brandon. And that's really kind of the whole episode. There's not much going on other than the reward trip on this one.
2: Now, do we inappropriately watch Kim this episode or the next episode?
1: I believe that's the next episode, and I think it's appropriate because it's Kim Powers and not Kim Johnson. Okay. Did they watch both of them? You would know. He watched a lot of people, yeah. All right. But I think in this episode, The Date with Frank, I'm trying to think. I don't want to skip over this if we're missing something, but, yeah, what happens is Kim Powers gets pithy that Brandon didn't vote with him last episode, and she basically screws everybody in the game. She's like, well, we're going to vote for Brandon, eh, yeah. They vote Brandon out, and then they've lost any chance they have of overthrowing Lex, and the season is really over at that point.
0: Yeah, it's it's masterful. A lot of people would say it's well done, or good manipulating but it was just brandon was kind of stuck in the sense that the baron tribe minus lex didn't like brandon and then the old samburus didn't like brandon because he jumped ship on him and is hanging out with lex so it was like everyone was it's not even like they they came up with some super awesome alliance or anything it was just like man we all hate frank we're gonna vote for frank or sorry not frank sorry brandon We're like we all hate brandon we're gonna vote for brandon it's like oh poor
1: brandon yeah, and also there's one thing that a lot of people I think don't remember about this episode is that it's, it's interesting because Leith, yeah, Ethan kind of comes out from under Lex's shadow in this episode, where he says, well, yeah, Brandon's with, with us now, he's voting with us, but he's only loyal to you, Lex. Like, what if you win immunity? He can vote for any of us. He's not really as tied to us. And so Ethan kind of steps out from under Lex's shadow a little bit here. He realizes that Lex is playing for himself and not for the Alliance. So again, when people say Ethan's boring, he didn't do anything, he was just a follower— this episode kind of proves that wrong because Ethan had a good head on his shoulders, and he realizes Brandon doesn't help me whatsoever. He's only helping Lex. Yeah.
0: I mean, yeah. it's it's totally true. Ethan Ethan's calling him out, and uh, Ethan's like, you know, I need to go on a run here. I need to uh, take over this game, and I need to win cool food at the auction.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we're up to the auction, are we? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah, I- we are. On, that's it. That we're up to the uh, episode 11 I have. It depends, again, if you count the recap as an episode or not. I, I have this next one as episode 11. Jay has it as episode 10. But this is the Frank Boot episode and the Reward Challenge food auction episode, which if anybody read The Funny 115 knows I'm a huge fan of this one because this is the infamous, he's a Jew, he won't eat the ham reward scene, which I, to this day I still cannot watch that and not laugh. That will crack me up every single time.
2: Oh, and we get Teresa on the Slapper Mama.
1: Yes, Exactly. We got Slapping Mamas. We got Jews not eating ham. I mean, this is a PG-13 episode, this one, coming up here.
0: This is fantastic. You know, it, again, it's it's them. You get to see them, you know, kind of going for food, and especially in Australia and Africa, they just were so flipping starving. So it was really nice that they got some food. But, you know, we we kind of got, you know, coffee with croissant and stuff like that, and, you know we were getting kind of these these little things going and then kim powers wasted all our money to get an ice cream sundae with a with a little bit of fudge and then jeff just was like hey i've got a whole mug of fudge back here like damn what a <laughs> dick like that's <laughs> such a dick move it was great <laughs> ethan just like i'll take that for less than you paid for that ice cream <laughs>
1: Well, it's funny. There was dick moves all throughout this reward. There was the scene where, you know, Kim Johnson wins the chicken and fried and, and mashed potatoes. And that's all that T-Bird wants in her life is fried chicken and mashed potatoes. So Kim's like, well, OK, you know, I, I won this. But Teresa really wants some. So I'll, I'll give you half of it for 500 shillings. And Ethan jumps in with like 600. I'll give you 600. for it. And they, they totally cockblock T-Bird for the chicken. And,
2: and then Lex jumps in there. It's like, OK, I'll give you this much. You give me this much chicken. Half your potatoes Well, That means you only pay
1: 2,000 for your whole meal. Yeah, so they're just yeah they're just bartering and enjoying the chicken right in front of poor T Bird who's like basically in tears like I want that chicken I'm from
0: Georgia this is what we eat well yeah T Bird wants the chicken so bad and she she made it a point that she wanted the chicken and like yeah. Kim Johnson's like. We're there with this huge plate of chicken, like Lex buys some of the food from her, and yeah. Kim's like, I'll sell you some of this food for like 7000 and T-Bird's like, ooh, 7000 pretty steep. It's like you have just been bitching for the last 10 minutes <laughs> that this is all you want on planet Earth, and you were just given this money. This is not even like money that you had to take out of your own bank account. Like they literally handed you a sack of money earlier today. And she's like, "Give me a small portion of this money." And she's like, "Ooh, I don't know. I wouldn't pay for that if I was living at home right now."
1: <laughs> yeah, but you're not.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like I just could not. Like you know, we love T Bird. She's cute. She has this fun reaction with this with this chicken. But I mean, Kim's just like, "Look, I'll I'll sell you some of this." And T Bird's like, "Ooh, I don't know. Pretty <laughs> st- pretty steep." It's like it's it's free money. Yeah. Buy it. <laughs>
1: And then Lex, you know, Lex buys the chicken from Kim, and he digs in. He's like, "Ooh, that's good." And he's literally <laughs> three feet away from T-Bird, who's looking at him like a puppy dog. Could you give me a scrap, please? <laughs> I just love that whole scene, that whole little interchange. It's
0: it's a great scene. And then, uh, uh, yeah, then, then they find they basically pity give her that hoagie, that that meatball sub or whatever, or whatever it was that she shares with Frank.
1: Well, in the meatball hoagie's defense, it was good enough to make her want to slap her mama. So That's true. Remember that.
2: And it had cheese on it. I think Kim, we get a squeal from Kim Powers. <laughs> oh, it has cheese on it. Yes, like,
1: that was all, that was Amber-esque. Yeah, it was, it was very
2: amber-esque. amber-esque. Very true. Yes.
1: there's a lot of sharing then, going on there. And then, of course, you get the best one, which is if I if I recall, was the last item of the cha- of the reward auction, which was the mystery plate, which Tom and Ethan go in on and. You know Tom wins, he goes up there, and he's like, "Oh, I'll kill you, Jeff. I'll kill you right after I kiss you and he pulls off the platter and it's what is it bacon, eggs, ham, something like that and And Tom is overjoyed that he won breakfast, and he becomes doubly overjoyed when he realizes that his his eating partner is a Jew and cannot eat the ham and it's, the glee on his face <laughs> just it kills me every time I see it. I can't get over that scene He's a Jew. In fact, I, I just got an email today from a person who read The Funny 115 for the first time. Her name is Sarah Westerfer, and that was the very first thing, the only thing she emailed me about. She's like, I love all the entries, but he's a Jew, he won't eat the ham, is the funniest thing I've ever read, thank you. So, I mean, it's not just me that loves that scene. Everyone loves I mean, they, people read that, they watch it, they love it. That's one scene that everyone remembers from Africa. It's good. There was no dud items in this one, were there? Not that we saw,
0: correct. There was no duds. No duds that we saw. Yeah, so everyone was getting good stuff.
1: (laughs) Although Teresa somehow ended up getting punked on the chicken.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, it it was pricey, you know? I mean, it it was a little too steep. Yeah.
1: She didn't want to drain
2: her bank account on that.
1: (laughs) So I think that's the whole episode for the most part. Nothing much happens. They go back to camp. And then, uh, who wins immunity that episode? Is that the one where they, they have to, Jeff tells them the African story and they have to remember all the details or something like right. that? Right.
2: And, and um, Lex wins it there. And then we get, after, you know, after the challenge, we get uh, Frank going off about his NRA stuff and offending everyone. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> it's a good farewell to Frank, actually, to have him piss everyone off.
1: Well, I love how they put that in the episode, and then they kind of explain it like that's why Frank got voted off. I'm like, you don't think it had something to do with the begonging why he got voted off?
2: No, no. He was safe, but once he expressed his his opinion on gun control, he was out of
0: there.
1: That's what did it exactly. He was on a way to a win. Frank is great. He's so to
0: the point. And, you know, he has these funny scenes. We've already talked about how at the merge, you know, everyone's merge feasting, and Frank's like, fuck the feast. We have to get wood, you know, and he's very, you know— to the point, there's a there's an episode, before I send off Frank, I don't know which episode it is, and I should have done better research and gone back and looked, but it's one of these post-merge episodes before Frank gets voted out, so it's either the last, it's one of the last two or three episodes that we've talked about here, but you know how, like, at the end of the episode, like, the person gets voted off, you s- Jeff snus their torch, they go down the path, and then Jeff gives everyone, like, a quick word of wisdom on something. And then mm-hmm. the music swells, the ancient voices goes, and you see the people kind of in slow motion grabbing their torches. And kind of as we fade out, we get that large helicopter pan of, like, torches leaving the tribal council area. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite things in all of Africa, it's one of these things you can see the torches leaving tribal council and you see the torches and you know how like the torches are usually kind of like in this roughly even line going out like everyone's just kind of holding their torch and walking away from tribal council one of these episodes one of the torches is literally 50 feet in front of everybody else (laughs) and i and i was like wait what the hell why is that one torch way up ahead and you can look it's Frank. I mean, Frank is just blazing the trail. He's not waiting, man. He's just gone.
2: I never noticed that before.
0: Wow. Go back, go back and look. It's there. Like he's. Lit- I'm. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but he's literally like twenty to thirty feet ahead of everybody else, just hightailing it out of Tribal Council.
1: Well, he was on his way to the Wagner family reunion. That's right. Way. It's a tail on that. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Poor Frank. You know. Yeah. But I, I was again. I was watching this, the episodes today, and my wife was kind of coming in and out of the room, and. She happened to come in the room in the scene where Frank is sitting there going on his rant about liberals and, and NRA and politics and stuff. And my wife comes in and she goes, like, I love Ethan's reaction to that. Because if you watch, Frank's on this little rant. And everyone's like, all right, Frank, shut up, Frank. And Ethan is right next to him, just kind of rolling his eyes and sighing and trying not to say anything. And it's one of the funnier visuals. If you if you happen to watch this episode, just look for Ethan's reaction to Frank's NRA rant. Good stuff. Yep, and I believe we are up to episode 12. And again, I don't, we, we don't want to... Uh, give uh, Frank, not give Frank his due here because I thought he was a great character. I know a lot of people didn't really appreciate him at the time. They just thought he was humorless and gruff and weird. But like in retrospect, he was a great character. He was just like a mini Rudy, just awkward as hell. Didn't really get social conventions. Didn't really care. Made no effort to understand social conventions. But he was who he was. And you know whether you disagree with his politics or disagree with him, he was just he was who he was, and he didn't give a crap. And I thought he was fun to watch
0: i love frank i i I just cannot express enough how fun these characters were in africa and especially frank i mean you know if if you take everything he does and says literally you may find him uh not very fun because you may not agree with the things that's going on but if you just kind of see him as just kind of this square peg in this round hole of a game he's great it's fantastic
1: yeah he's awkward he's awkward pretty bad terry that's right callback good callback (laughs) All right, and here we are to the episode 12. We're just about to finish off the pagonging here. we again, going say
2: two Samburus to go here. Let's, let's knock them out.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's get rid of them. So the next one is Kim Powers, blah, blah, blah. You know, she gets voted out. But the more important thing about this next episode is keeping up with the tradition of great rewards. This is the one with Tom and Lex on their balloon trip to the Maasai Mara.
2: Well, and even ah. the challenge beforehand, you know, it's uh, that's for me is one of the highlights as far as a uh, you know loved one visit goes. Africa is actually, I mean, except for the couple seasons later on, like in Samoa and stuff, when they can't get people out there. Survivor mm-hmm. Africa is the only season that we don't actually get like a physical person out there because starting in season four, we have the full loved one visits. And one and two, we get uh the awkward visits of uh Sean's dad and Colby's mom. So we never okay. actually get you know a tangible person down here in Africa. But despite of that, it's it's a really like nice glimpse into these people's lives and the, and the people who. Love them.
1: Yes. Yeah, that's true. That was, this was a really good scene, and you learn little character details, like Tom's wife is incredibly horny, and you learn that Ethan is scared of vomiting. Teresa's husband doesn't know her. Yeah, Teresa's husband and Kim's mom doesn't know her. Kim yeah, Kim, mom. Poor Kim Powers' mom. <laughs> mom. What was it? Her biggest fear in life? I forget what it was. Being unfulfilled. Yeah. Well, what did Kim say? Kim spiders, Powers has spiders, right? No, yeah, it was yeah. spiders. Oh, my mom's going to say spiders. And her mom's like. Being unfulfilled. <laughs> Lex is like, whoa, wow, that's, that's deep. deep. Yeah,
2: no, the great rival to that is uh, Kim Johnson, because Kim Johnson wrote a freaking novel anytime she had to answer it. And so the biggest fear, and she like, they play this really nice music, she turns it over, and she's like, her biggest fear is like growing old and sick and not being able to care for her family and the ones that love her, blah, blah, blah. And then it turns the tape. Uh, she really is quite fearless, but she is afraid of bungee jumping.
1: and the one i joked about earlier was tom big tom How is like i forget what when they show his wife his wife's like what what does she have like a horse or something she's like i can ride this big stub and i'm waiting for my other one you to come home so i can ride you i'm like wait a minute you can't say that on survivor (laughs) but also there's another thing i love about that scene just because it reminds me of my own mom is where everything like what was ethan's greatest life accomplishment what has he done blah 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 all of his accomplishments are things he's done when he's an adult like be a pro soccer player and i've done this and every one of ethan's mom's answers is like well he made he made the varsity team his sophomore year or something and ethan's like so apparently i've done nothing since high school and it's funny because it reminds me of my mom who was always like that too who really thought that my life kind of stopped at 18 she wasn't aware that things happened after that and so i, I share that affliction with ethan that just cracks me up when i see his reaction to his mom not having realizing that he's not 16 anymore
0: it's it's a good it's a good scene. It's because they weren't out there and blah blah blah. It's actually one of the more unawkward family visit scenes. So great for them, good TV. But for us that like to see the comedy of it, you know, do better, guys. Seriously,
1: <laughs> I will say there's one thing that comes up in that in that scene right there that becomes important later. A lot of people might not know this, where you know we learn what Ethan's biggest fear is that he's scared of vomiting. He doesn't like vomit. He doesn't like anything about it. This actually comes in to play later. I'm not sure. Do you guys even know this? Final this three. Been, uh, yeah, the final three. Okay, yep. we'll we'll get to that when we get to the challenge. That the reason Ethan loses Survivor. This I've heard this from sources before. Is that a cameraman vomited during that final three challenge and it threw Ethan off so much that he fell off the pole. So it, it was just just pay attention to this scene where Ethan says he's scared of vomit. For as ridiculous as that is, it actually kind of does come into play later in the season. Yep.
0: So. What's great is that Jeff is explaining to them, you know, what, they're, they're, they, what they can win on this thing. And he's like, you know, you are going to go to a resort. You're going to go to the Maasai Mara, you know, the, my, you know to witness the migration of the wildebeest. This is, you know, one of, the modern, one of the more modern wonders of the world type things. Like, this is a big flipping deal. And, uh, you know, this is important, blah, blah, blah. And you're going to do it on my credit card, on my Woo! dime
2: because visa baby's picking it up i don't know if he says that that season or if that's in marquesas but he says that at some point
0: yeah like visa's picking it up but it's not even just like you know courtesy of Visa. it's, it's my card take my card with my name you know and like, yeah. <laughs> when they get there they're like her. guys like cha-chinging the little like carbon yeah. credit card thing that's like to jeff probes mm, <laughs> put a tip on that
1: yeah, I was going to say I missed the cheesiness of the earlier seasons where they didn't really take themselves seriously, and that's one of them, that they literally show the lady in, at the Mara, you know, teaching his little credit card. And it actually is a Visa card made out to Jeff probes yes. with his number plainly visible if anybody wants to steal it at home, which I remember <laughs> on the Internet on, on Survivor sucks. People were saying, I tried buying something with that credit card. It's been canceled. So people actually did try to use that number. <laughs> you suck, Visa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a great scene. So Lex and Tom go to this five-star resort in the middle of Africa, which I beg to differ with Lex, but that's not really what a five-star resort looks like, a tent on the ground and a bed. <laughs> but, alright, fair enough. But yeah, it seems like a nice enough place, and then they get the scene where Tom's all drunk and talking, and then they get the balloon ride the next day, which is the scene that's really neat.
2: Yeah, that whole lion scene, I mean, I mean, forget just, you know, it's Survivor, as far as just even, like, watching uh, Wild Africa, that's an awesome
1: scene. It is, it's great, and again, it's just one of those... There was so much love put into this season just to get you to see African culture, to see like the settings, to see what it looks like, just to feel like you are in Africa with the players. And that scene is about as good as any of them where they're on the balloon ride and they actually see a lion hunting a wildebeest, which is, I mean, how many people ever see that in their lives? That was really cool. We got to see it live on TV can't imagine uh you know as a
0: personal note i've i've been on a a balloon ride before i can't recommend it enough it is so cool it's just like a real surreal experience and my balloon ride as awesome and incredible as it was was in the middle of freaking michigan you know like (laughs) love the state and all and it has some great countryside but i mean it was just you know hills and some town and (laughs) you know blah blah blah. like they got to see like wild animals they got to see hundreds thousands of wildebeest and they yeah they saw a lion stalk and kill prey like ridiculous
1: (laughs) that's cool now on your balloon ride was what the guy said true did you spill your champagne at the end uh yeah you know i spilled it i spilled it pretty bad terry yeah. I remember that's what the guy said. The most dangerous thing about a hot air balloon is spilling your champagne when you land.
0: My guy was not as delightfully British as that guy, <laughs> yeah. which which I feel kind of gypped about. But what are you going to
1: yeah. do? And Big Tom's like, what's champagne? <laughs> yeah.
0: You mean champagne or, you know, <laughs> yeah. champipple?
1: Oh, you eat it at brunch. What's brunch? Uh, oh, back. <laughs> yes.
2: <laughs> well, then meanwhile, so, uh, meanwhile, we get the scene of uh, back at camp. Kim Powers going through everything she's not going to eat in life ever again that has corn in it. It's
1: a fascinating strategy scene right there.
2: (laughs) That's Kim Powers' game right there.
1: Gripping, Exactly. Someone should write Kim Powers on Facebook. We encourage all our listeners to stalk Kim Powers and ask her if she still eats things with corn in them.
2: Please do. Find this out for us.
1: Exactly.
0: Yes. So, like, one of the coolest (laughs) rewards ever, balloon ride, everything's great, you know awesome deal then we get back and we get in a a challenge kim goes home and you know tom wins one because he's breaking pots with a slingshot who knew that the country boy could shoot a slingshot like you know wait
1: that's that's the bone one they're throwing the bones right
0: it was oh it was the bones i'm sorry yeah Yeah, he throws the bones bones at the clay pots still who knew that you know this this primitive weaponry is something (laughs) right up tom's alley
1: (laughs) (laughs) although before we leave this episode that's this is the one where it's a tribal council where uh Jeff's trying to you know, milk the nostalgia for the family visit. He's like, what's something you guys miss the most from home? And they all go around and say something like, family members or my couch or my dog. And what do you miss the most, Tom? And Tom just says, cheeseburger. And I always love that scene because it comes out of nowhere. Um, <laughs>
2: just... Can we also just say typical Kim Powers, or I mean, sorry, excuse me, uh, typical Kim Johnson, how she has to overthink this answer and just say, <laughs> the ability to be completely relaxed.
1: yes. And Tom bust out with
0: cheeseburger. cheeseburger. <laughs> it, don't feel bad, Paul. I I often mix up Kim Powers and Kim Johnson. <laughs> Paul doesn't. <laughs> well, you know when they're both you know face first flat on the ground, you know it doesn't matter at that point.
2: <laughs> it doesn't matter. It's still an, a Kim on the ground. <laughs> and Kim Kim Powers uh, is like over forty now, so she qualifies as old lady falling. So <laughs> even that's okay.
0: Awesome. <laughs> but isn't Kim Powers like three foot eight? So, like, you know, she falls, it's, you know, not as impressive
1: in some way.
2: Yeah, you get more, there's more, of like, you know, fanfare when Kim Johnson falls.
1: The older they are, the more of a chance of injury, so. <laughs> also exactly.
2: that. Exactly. You know, that's, I think, you know, looking back here, talking about doing callback here, I think that's why I fell in love with Survivor. Episode 1 Borneo, guess what? Oldest lady takes a tumble, first challenge. I'm hooked. <laughs> that's why I keep coming you must, back.
1: You must love Wipeout
0: yeah <laughs> we need we need to get paul in on mxc
1: oh all right <clears throat> we're gonna try to prevent paul from being arrested here let's move on to the next episode this is the uh t-bird boot episode this is where we finish off the begonging for good
0: yes and colonel sanders uh, you know
1: leading the uh, the the aids hospital right
2: yes uh yeah. lex gets some chrome
1: in this episode and you remember what the challenge was the reward challenge where he won a car and a visit to the AIDS hospital it's the word search right it's the word search yeah They had to cancel the Sudoku challenge, I guess.
0: (laughs) Yeah, the word search. And it was, they repeated it in All Stars. And it was like, you had to find the words and then, like, words intersected, right? And didn't you have to take the letters that intersected and spell out a thing? And it was Avalanche because he won a Chevy Avalanche, which is, you know, continuing the tradition of, well, we're not going to have the ugliest car known to man in the Pontiac Aztec. I know. How about the second ugliest car (laughs) known to mankind, the Chevy Avalanche?
1: Not quite a car, not quite a truck. (laughs) You know, what's funny is that surprisingly Big Tom did not win this, the combination word search and unscramble a word puzzle. Yeah, could really? figure that out of you, yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah. You'd think he would be the favorite. Let's see. So yeah, they, uh, so Lex wins the reward. He gets to uh, deliver aid supplies to a hospital. And, and I know we're kind of making fun of this. but again, so this cool. Is, <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those great scenes in Survivor that they really don't do culture stuff like this anymore, but man think of any other season that has anything like this where he's delivering medical supplies to an AIDS hospital I mean in Africa where AIDS is this still this huge pandemic it's worse there than anywhere else in the world and Lex is right there helping these kids and he's visiting with kids and playing with them in the hospital and you know for all the crap that people talk about Lex like go back and watch that scene again where he's playing with little kids and trying delivering them AIDS supplies I mean come on you can't hate Lex after seeing that scene he's great with little kids it's a fantastic
0: scene and it's just, it's, it's, it's super touching. And we, you know, we talked about the reward earlier, the goat, the goat reward and, and, and the kids in the village. I mean, that's touching on one level, but this is touching on a, on a different one. I think this one is a little more grave and, you know, just a, a little more sobering. Yes. Sobering. And, you know, mm-hmm. but, but it, in a good way, I mean, I watched that, you watch that scene now, it's not like you're going to come out of it with a, with a, with a chuckle full of laughs, but at the same time, you know, you watch it and you're like, I actually watched, TV of substance, right now. Like, that was something behind that. There was some backbone to that scene.
2: Well, those days are behind me now because anytime we rewatch, I'm going to picture Russell Hance there and it's just going to be done. So, thanks for ruining that for me.
0: Oh, always here to help. We can't root. You're an adult now. Mario can no longer ruin your childhood. So, we have to now ruin your adulthood.
2: Thank you for
1: that. Why are these kids crying? They're a bunch of little bitches. (laughs) (laughs) My God. Why do these kids have AIDS? They can just vote it right out. (laughs) side. Yeah, so anyway, so we get get to the immunity challenge, and this is the one where they they cobble a bunch of stuff together from past challenges and make an obstacle course out of it, and Lex, of course, wins again because Lex is a god, basically, this season. And I just have in my notes after this this episode, I kind of wrote, this really is the Lex season. And unfortunately, most people kind of remember it as the Ethan season now, but it really was the Lex season. If you watch it, it's really about this point in the game. You realize he's winning every single challenge, pretty much. Yeah, he's crushing he's, it. <laughs> yeah, he's dominating the social game. He's in charge. He's the leader. He controls every vote. He gets people to switch votes. He gets Brandon to switch. I mean, and it's crazy that he's winning all these challenges. He all, does all the cool rewards. So up to this point in the game, this really is the Lex game. And unfortunately, it's about to... It it falls it falls out of his grasp right after this episode, but up to this point, this is his season. He's controlling pretty much everything, and when he wins the immunity challenge, it's really the icing on the cake. That this is almost he's almost crowned himself a win at this point. Yeah, the
0: momentum's there. I mean, he's going. The only thing that hasn't gone his way is that Brandon vote, but I mean, he shook that off and he's all back and good. I mean, that's that's fascinating in and of itself.
2: And, I mean, it just fits perfectly, you know, if, if we're going to say that, you know, this kind of is the end of Lex's, you know, rule of the game, is that, you know, right before Tribal Council, we get, you know, Teresa's confession, you know, kind mm-hmm. of, uh, we get this crazy look from Lex in his eye when he finds out the truth about it, we get crazy uh, Lex look, but it's just kind of perfect to that, that we get to actually see Lex find out the truth that he was wrong and stuff like that. So I think it's it was a great way to lead into that Tribal Council as we finish off the pogonging of Samburu.
1: It's true, and it finishes off Lex's character arc for the most part, too. It's like, T-Bird's like, all right, I'm going home, but guess what? You screwed up and you voted out Kelly. It's really going to cost you. And she also kind of undermines his game a little more. And I don't know if she was really intending to do this or if this is the truth. And she's like, by the way, the person who told me to vote you out was Tom. And I, I've never known if that was Teresa just playing him or if that's the truth. But she kind of stirs up that whole Lex versus Tom dynamic that's kind of been lurking under the scenes, this Cold War for a while. And she's like, yeah, I might be going home, but watch out for Tom, Lex. He's been trying to get you out of here. And so, right, but even though she's out of the game, she kind of stirs it up even more. And then Kim Johnson's there to back up her story. She's like, yeah, that's right, Lex. Tom was trying to get you out of the game. He's trying to vote you out without doing it himself. And so Lex is kind of, even though he's, he's finished the Pagong, the king of the world, he goes into the finale a little shaken up here, realizing that, his alliance and his buddies are not as tight as he thought they were.
0: So he ruled Samburu, but he didn't rule Boran pretty
1: much. And then we go right into the finale, which like like I, like I said there was three episodes of of this season that I think are the uh the pinnacle, the, the important ones and you got the twist, you got the uh Kelly vote and then you got the finale <clears throat> and we'll talk about it when we get there but again, before we before we get to the end, I just have to say that the important thing to remember about survivor africa for people who don't really know their survivor history is that africa was the first season with a beloved winner and it was so important that the franchise had that that it's it's just unbelievable that it, it happened the third season they needed it after richard they needed it after tina who although history has been good in retrospect she was not all that beloved at the time it was Seen as better than Richard, but she was not the huge fan favorite. The fan favorite were Elizabeth and Colby, but with Ethan, the beloved fan favorite, finally won Africa. So this is a really big deal. This episode.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. This is this is this is the culmination of something that's great, you know. And and you know, once once Ethan was getting to the end, I mean. You you look back on certain things and, you know, it was it was never so cut and dry all the way through, but it was like, boy, you really pulled for it. And it happened. And it was it it was a good feeling.
2: Well, and you like, I mean, that just got me thinking, you know, the next time we really ever see that happening where the big fan favorite wins is probably Tom and Palau. So the first nine seasons, that's the only time it happens is with Ethan.
1: Again and yeah, that's something that cannot be overstated. There was one season where it ended the way that the audience really, really wanted it to end, and that's Africa. And so, for people saying that Africa was boring, you know, it was dull. The there was no strategy. It was just a begonging. You know, screw all that. A fan favorite won, and that does not happen much in Survivor, particularly early years. That is correct. Yeah. Yep. And then we're going to go right into something else memorable about this episode, which happens right at the start, which is when they have the first community Challenge. And this the infamous Fallen Comrades where the producers screwed up. I think 90% of
0: the questions people came in and asked us about was about this Fallen Comrades Challenge. So, uh, you know, it's pretty cut and dry on a lot of things, but we do need to discuss it. So let's do it.
2: Yeah, Mario. I think okay. you should give this setup for this because I actually heard this first from Mario. It was the first time I ever I had ever you know heard about this whole thing. So you should set it up.
1: Okay. Yeah. This is this isn't just something I've heard. This is pretty well known. It's been backed up. It's been documented. So this just isn't speculation. This is truth. In that, uh, <clears throat> if you watch the Final Four Immunity Challenge in Africa, if it gets down to the very final question. And I think Tom, and Lex, and uh, Kim Johnson are all tied. Whoever gets the last question right wins immunity. And the question was, uh, which, uh, which female survivor doesn't have anything pierced? And Kim Johnson answers Kelly, which is the right answer. Lex answers Lindsay, which Jeff says is the wrong answer. And Tom, I forget who, it's someone else. He did, but, so <clears throat> Kim wins immunity. She gets to vote someone out that episode she's safe and they're voting out Tom. Now, what happened was everyone was all hunky-dory. They were cool with this. This is all right. Well, Lex lost, and that's why Kim Johnson won immunity, because he answered Lindsay. So the cast is gathered behind the scenes at the Survivor finale, the airing on TV. As it's airing on TV, they're all hanging back in the green room watching the episode. And this question comes up. Which Survivor female has never had anything pierced? Which Africa female? And Lindsay is right there because she's joined the cast. And she's like, well, me. Lindsay apparently had never had anything pierced except the producers didn't know that the producers only thought it was kelly <clears throat> so right there on the spot lex realizes he should have been given credit for the right answer the producers screwed up they didn't realize that there was two answers to that question and so it was right there at that moment that everyone was like oh my god and lex just looks around and they're like lex should have got that right this this shouldn't have been over kim should not have won immunity and so I don't know the, all the details what happened behind the scenes after that point, but the rumor is that Tom and Lex got some payoff. They got second place money, a thousand dollars, just basically not to talk about it. And ever since then, they have not done fallen comrades on Survivor because it's, there's the potential for them to screw up. They they did it the next season on Marquesas, but that's because it was filmed before the Africa finale aired. So, for timing wise, after the producers realized they screwed up and they had to pay out Big Tom and Lex. They've never done Fallen Comrades since, and it's all because the producer screwed up and Lex should have been given credit for an answer, and maybe he could have won immunity on the next question.
2: And uh but as devil as Devil's advocate I always put out with this thing, um, the thing that you should always note about that I think often gets swept under the you know, under the rug is the fact that one, so if Lex would have got it right, it would have been a tie. So Lex would have had a fifty percent chance win. Obviously, if he would have been given credit for that, then I mean uh-huh. anything could have happened if Lex got it. But I think I think where the uh I don't I mean I don't have hundred percent proof of this, but I think where the error came from is so when the producers go down to, to make this question, they're pulling from the people who you know who are eligible to be answers on this question. So they go, Okay, we have four former Baron members here, okay? Well we can't quiz them on, on anyone who's on Samburu and got voted off before the merge because they mm-hmm. didn't know them. So, okay, we'll throw out Linda, we'll throw out Carl, throw out Lindsay, throw out some um, um well, I guess Silas went to Braun, too but we'll, we'll just throw out all the same people those can't be the answers to him unless they made the merge not realizing that oh crap uh, Lex lived with Lindsay and, and you know figure that out that is a correct answer but I think that's where the error came from is because they were thinking we're not gonna ask them about you know these people because how the hell is you know Ethan and Kim who never lived a day with you know Lindsay Richter how are they how you know how would they know about that so I think that's where the error came from but like you said it's you know probably a good thing that they edited it just because theres there's a lot of you know discrepancy there about you know what's right and what's wrong when you ask questions like that
1: what's funny is if you go back and watch the episode i literally just watched it about two hours ago because i wanted to make sure i had all the wording of it correct but what's funny is if you watch the episode jeff probes actually clarifies this at the start of the challenge and i don't know if most people have caught this or if the players even caught it jeff says we're going to be talking about players you've lived with for the entire game or like that started on your tribe he actually kind of clarifies this that we're only talking about people that you've started the game with, but it's not completely clear. He doesn't beat him over the head with it. So he actually does kind of clarify. We're only talking about people that you started with and Lex doesn't catch it or it just wasn't made clear. So it's just the producers kind of realized maybe they were in a gray area or they didn't research the Samburus real well. But yeah, it was just a big cluster apparently behind the scenes. And I think if more people had known about this behind the, at the time, it would have been a big scandal like the Colby uh thing with the corals in australia that was all over the internet people were outraged this would have been way beyond that if people had even heard this at the time and it didn't come out until a couple years later when more seasons had passed that's why a lot of people don't know about this
0: but you know as you said it's very well documented and uh you know there's payoff there's also talk that you know they got guaranteed all-star spots and you know other things like that but uh yeah, it's t- it's tough to say. And I think I think, Paul, and in, in, in you have hit it on the head. You know, there was people that they've all lived with all the time. And, you know, even if the Alex had been given credit, it's not like that was for the win. It was just yeah. to go to another question. So it's tough to say either way. I still think that, you know, even though there is that and, and, it, it, and Lindsay is the right answer, I think, you know, and in the end, I think Kim still probably, you know, should get total credit for winning that thing.
1: Yeah, she should, but it's just a, one of the, the problems with this is I really liked Fallen Comrades. I thought that was a neat way to end the season, and it's a shame they've never done it since. I mean, it kind of robbed you of a cool character-building challenge where you just learn stuff about the players that aren't in the game anymore. So that's just one of the the uh, drawbacks to this thing being taken away. Well, it's, it's, I
0: think it's twofold. One, I think Vesepia did a little bit of part of killing... <laughs> uh, Fallen Conrad's in a way yeah. but uh, the other the other thing I mean you're right what I like about Fallen Conrad's is it's very much in the spirit of Survivor you know because Survivor is you know getting people that you voted out to vote you a million dollars I mean that's literally the game and so knowing these people forming relationships with these people so that you can do these sorts of things is important and this game kind of rewards doing that
1: yeah in particular there's one scene in this challenge especially I'm glad you brought that up where you know they uh, they add, they show a picture of two kids. They're saying these two kids, and every one of the four players identifies them as Teresa's children, Ellie and Tyler. And they cut to Teresa, and she's so pleased that the people remembered what her kids' names were. I mean, it's just a just a little thing like that that I love seeing in the show. That it's it's nonverbal. Teresa doesn't say where you can just see how thrilled she is that she's made they've made her day that they remembered what her kids' names were,
0: and that her kids also have spent five semesters on the dean's list.
2: which is like weird to think like i've looked up Teresa's kids on facebook they're like my age which just like blows
1: me away yeah i was gonna say you stalker but if they're your age i guess that's cool
2: yeah it's not (laughs) as creepy
1: yeah that's good (laughs) i wonder if they like watching their mom fall down (laughs) i wonder if they like hearing the story about their mom on the plane now it's on national tv i know (laughs) mom you just said you had to go to the bathroom well, how do you think you were born, Ellie? <laughs>
2: how do you think you were conceived?
0: Oh, okay. I'm glad you Here fixed that because I was like...
2: I fixed I it, like... yeah. That, that didn't
0: work. <laughs> <laughs> Teresa's also birthed on a plane.
2: <laughs> that was round two. Ne- they cut it out of the show.
0: Did, did her family just live on the airline that she, you know, did, were they just in the back? Did they, like, go in the little holes where the meals go in, you know? Like, is that where their sleeping bags were in off times?
1: Okay, if we play I Never, I can use that one. I've never given birth on a plane. <laughs> she takes a drink. <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so we lose Big Tom because of, partially because Kim wins immunity, partially because of the whole screw-up with Fallen Comrades, although I'm not entirely sure Tom would have gotten through this episode anyway. I mean, Lex was already kind of on his on his scent, and Lex and Tom, I think, were the big, or Lex and Ethan were the two decision-makers, so I'm not entirely sure... Tom gets through this episode anyway, just because Kim is not really a threat to win immunity. So it's they,
0: possible Tom would have been voted out at Final Four anyway. And they talked about how Tom is, you know, I mean, Lex has the old he's stupid like a fox, you know, and and, and people like Tom. And Kim's talked about how people like Tom. I mean, you know, it's, it's documented that people liked Tom at this point. Yeah. And so, you know, it, it's like, well, Lex, Tom and Ethan would go to the end. I don't
1: know. Yeah. Yeah, In fact, the more I watch Africa, I was noticing this my last rewatch, Tom is really sharp. It's funny, some of the stuff he comes up with, it's kind of hidden behind his accent and the words he uses. But like the philosophy and the thought process is really kind of sharp. He's a smart guy. He knows people really well. He gets what what how personal relationships work. And I remember in particular, there's one scene where, you know, Lex is trying to get Brandon to join their side. And so Tom's like, well, I can just go get Kelly power Kim Powers to join my side. And Tom's like, it's kind of like going to a dance. Like you dance with my girl, I can dance with yours. And I always like the thought process behind that. And you, people don't give Tom enough credit for that. He was a pretty sharp guy.
0: Incredibly, you know, he he, he, he uh, I'm stumbling here. I mean, he, he got to the final four in in Africa, and he got to the final five in All Stars. You know, the two seasons he played, and it doesn't mean he's fat. Flippin' fantastic, but it's like here's big Tom, big dude, country guy. I mean, he is not blending into the background by any stretch of the imagination, and he made it very far in the two games of Survivor he played. It's not a coincidence.
1: Yeah. Although I will say that it hurts his case, and at the last scene see him ever do at All Stars is the on the pawn on the swing boat to Boston Rob scene where Boston Rob like, What the fuck are you talking about, idiot? Well So that that doesn't help his case. But otherwise Tom has a pretty good case that he is a very underrated strategist. Yes, I agree. So we lose Tom, and we lose him to the famous final words: "Love, peace, and hair grease." <laughs> Remember when everyone was saying that back in two thousand one? It was
0: a catchphrase. <laughs> and then nine eleven changed.
1: Exactly, everything. It changed everything. He could have been like the Fonz. I'm doing the catchphrases.
0: The Fonz, really, <laughs> really, the Fonz. The Fonz. Oh the first man. Thing I think of. We are, and then we, we, we we're gonna have it out next time we're eating at Arnold's. <laughs>
1: All right and then we get the uh famous final 3 challenge in Africa which this is a notorious one for me because I I was a big Lex fan and that that's I loved Ethan just cuz he was a great character but I think I mentioned before that I I kind of knew Lex cuz we went to the same college and his dad was my French teacher so we'd been writing back and forth emails a couple times during Africa <clears throat> and that final 3 challenge where Lex falls. That's that was the, really the first gut punch for me and survivor where someone that I thought was going to win. And was like, I had a connection to just kind of got blindsided by fate. And, we're, and it's this great scene in the final three immunity challenge where he falls and the music builds up to it. it's, it's one of my all time favorite survivor moments. If, if you guys happen to have Africa on DVD or on YouTube, go watch that scene and watch the music build up to Lex falling. And it's really epic the way they build it up into this major, major character, the dominator of the season. He gets amoebic dysentery. He falls off the pole. And then, bam, his whole season's over just like that. And he came so close to winning.
2: The first memory we have of Lex is talking about, um, you know, you just don't belly up to the stream and start drinking the water because you're going to be puking and crapping your guts out. And then uh, (laughs) he falls off the thing because he had to puke and crap his guts out. (laughs)
1: Yes, one of the great all-time character arcs. Lex talking about amoebic dysentery in the opening scene, and then Lex getting amoebic dysentery and it costing him the win. <laughs> and
0: tr- and that trusting, is, and trusting his gut in the middle. I mean, yeah, it is, gut. it's well done all the way through. It's
1: literally his gut that doesn't mean. <laughs> I mean, come on, how could you beat that? That's that's better than Russell. Any of Russell's arcs. <laughs>
0: And it's tough, and I don't know. We weren't out there, and you can't believe all sides. And, 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 again, I don't want to sit here and say I don't trust anything Lex says. I mean, Lex says, man, I tell you, if I wasn't puking and crapping my guts out, I could have been on that, on that pole forever. And it's like, that's true, but Kim also wasn't moving. <laughs> yeah, Kim is made of leather. She wasn't going anywhere. Kim was good. I mean, she was solid on there, so I'm not saying...
2: I don't know about that. She does like to fall down a lot. It isn't hard for her to hit the ground. (laughs) It's not like she's figured out gravity yet.
1: (laughs) I I can't top that. There's no comeback for that. Uh, You got me, Paul. Paul Paul has won the podcast. Uh, Good night, everybody. But But I do have to point out again that the rumor is, I've heard this from several people, that... A cameraman off camera puked because it was so hot, and it rattled Ethan because you know he doesn't like vomit, and it kind of messed him up, and he ended up falling off the pole because of that. Now, I'm not sure if this is true, but I've heard it a- enough times over the years that there's probably some truth to it. So, it, it always cracks me up when I hear that Ethan's scared of vomit, and then he actually gets out of the game or gets out of the challenge because of vomit.
0: It didn't last long. I mean, you, you know, Lex, Lex, Lex puking and crapping his guts out, you know, made it pretty far, and, and poor Ethan did not. So.
1: And I'd like to point out that I was just watching this challenge that, you know, they're talking about how hot it was, and it's like 101 or 98, then 101, then 104, and they're going, this is brutal. How long are they going to last in this heat? And I love that challenge because it was actually 104 degrees in Southern California today, so I could totally relate to that.
0: <laughs> Poor you. Southern California was a little hot today.
1: I know. It was horrible. I had to send my gardener home. It was horrible.
0: Oh, man. <laughs> my pink berry just melted at a slightly faster rate. <laughs>
1: So anyway, um, <clears throat> one of the things I want—all kidding aside, one of the things I want to point out is the Africa Challenge, out of all the kind of the final endurance challenges, is one of my favorite because it's so epic, just because of the heat, the camera work, the music buildup. And I just really miss those on Survivor, these final three endurance challenges, because I just love the finality of it. I mean, this is it. This is if you want to win you goddamn better hang on there as long as you can and that's the only criteria for if you're going to get to the final two. And I really think Survivor misses that. It's this just this this moment of finality, this uh you know this is for all the marbles and it's so tense and you don't have that anymore without that final endurance challenge and I really really think the show misses that.
0: Yeah, it takes
1: the parlor game
0: element out of it. You know, it's mm-hmm. just more of like here it is, million bucks. Do you want it?
1: Yeah, and that's the thing. That's it's as simple as Survivor is. Get people, get make friends with people, make bonds, get to know them, and just hang on for dear life when it counts. And that's that's really all that Survivor. It's as complicated as Survivor has ever been, and I, it just kills me that they took that away and that. And that um, the, the flip side of that, that so many people don't even seem to care that it got taken away. So many people out there will argue that the final three is better, you know, because there's more people to vote for. But, like, but you miss that crucial step of Survivor where you vote people out until you can't vote people out anymore. That's the only reason the jury exists, because you can't vote people out anymore. And that's what I really think was lost when they went away from the final two. And it stands out so much when I watch Africa. Africa, it is so important, that final challenge. It, it represents everything in the season.
0: Yes, and Kim wins it and poor Lex, he's gone.
1: And she votes out now why now I know there's been a couple schools of thought why Kim voted out Lex. The way that I've always understood it is that Kim thought that Lex was more entitled, that Lex thought he deserved the final two and Ethan was more humble and Lex and Kim just wanted to reward the guy for being humble. I don't know if that's true, and that's just how I've always understood it. I'm sure there's other reasons, like maybe she thought Lex was more respected than Ethan, or maybe she just didn't like Lex. Who know? I mean I don't know. What have you guys heard?
2: I don't know. My, my take on it that I, th- I I do believe her when she like think, th- didn't think she could really beat either of them and I think she just you know she felt like she had to choose who you know who's going to win it and I think I think she probably just was a little closer to Ethan. You know Lex went over to Samburu. Obviously Lex caused a little bit of tension within the alliance. I think she just had a better bond with Ethan and you know just had to pick Ethan over Lex.
1: Yeah, again, and we can't overlook all those middle episodes or, like, the pre-merge episodes where Ethan was trying his best to save Kim. He was looking out for her. He's like, I want her here. She's trying her best. It's not her fault she fell. It's not her fault that Paul loves when she falls. So it's, so you got to go back to that. Like, Ethan probably had a really tight bond with her. He was kind of looking out for her. And then at the end, she was kind of looking out for him. So that makes sense, too.
0: It's important. People don't think it's important. They just think move the pieces, get to the end. But, I, you know here's Lex and Ethan, two strong people in this Baron alliance that, you know, Kim Johnson has been riding with. And I think Kim went with the person she liked better. And I think that there's something to be said for that.
1: There is. And people like to talk crap about Lex and call him a hypocrite. But he had a quote earlier in the season about Brandon where, you know, Brandon saved his skin when the Kelly vote. And Lex has a confessional later or something where he's talking like, if it comes down later in the game where I'm trying to help Frank or I have to help Brandon, like, I'm going to help the guy who helped me first. Like, I owe him. And I think there's a lot in those words that comes back here with with Ethan and Kim. Like, if Kim can help either one of them get to the final two, she's going to help the one who helped her, and that was Ethan. He was looking out for her. Like, why wouldn't she help him? That's just how it works. Yeah, I'm with you.
0: I I, yeah. I think, you know, everyone always looks at him, You know, it, Lex is such a... a a powerful force and as you said earlier a very large portion of this game was lex's game and so people look at that and they say ah you know he so close you know that third place person that just kind of you know blah 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 and it's like you know lex did lose it he did do some things wrong and a lot of that was he didn't ingratiate himself to some of the members i mean he had friction with tom and i think he had friction a little bit with uh kim johnson and then she had the power to vote who she wanted at the end and she didn't choose him
1: it's true yeah i mean people say well the best player always got voted out at final three i'm like you know you gotta last 39 days to win lex was good enough to get to 38 but he he just didn't have that uh the connection with the people to get to 39 so yeah it sucked that he lost but i mean shit happens that's the way it goes survivor you can't be the best player for 38 days and win all the time it just happens sometimes
0: yeah and then let's let's get into this final tribal so like Kim, Kim Johnson takes Ethan, we, we get to the end, hooray Leather Kim and hooray Soccer Ethan, and we get to the final travel council. It's a bizarre one. I mean, you know, the, the, it's not like, you know, lots of finger pointing and, you know, huge emotions going down, but I mean, it's some weird questions and some really weird answers by both people. <laughs>
2: You just got to love Kim answering all the questions. She just like, for being a smart woman, she really could have, you know, catered her answers to the correct person asking, like, do we think Frank wants to hear the top five things you need to win this game include love, flexibility, and understanding?
0: (laughs) Yeah. Thoughtfulness was one, right? Thoughtful.
2: I I forgot about thoughtfulness. That's also a big one. And the fifth one is hippo, I think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's, Go ahead. No. I don't have but I don't have much to say about the final tribal council because it was so obvious what was going to happen, so it didn't really matter what the answers were. I mean, Ethan could have won 7 nothing honestly if he'd he, done a little better. <laughs> yeah, Ethan does
0: not have a great final tribal council and I don't think Kim Johnson has like the worst tribal council. She certainly doesn't have a good one. Let's let, let's put it that way. But yeah. you know, for is is yeah paul's right for as smart as kim johnson is she has some really really dumb answers you know and then and then here's ethan the two things ethan does and one of them is defensible when you think about it but the other one shows you know just how starving and stupid he was at this point too the defensible one is brandon asks him a question of you know which ones he'd like to see in the final two and you know and, and ethan's like well not you (laughs) And, you know, Brandon votes for Kim and he says, though, he was like, you dissed me on my own question. But it's like, I don't think Brandon was super liked by everyone else. So I think he just solidified more votes, you know, sacrifice one for the majority. So that's possible. I don't know. I don't want to get too into it. It's not really a, a big deal. But then the other one is, again, this is the infamous Kelly question. She says, pick a number between 1 and a 1,000. And she was trying to go with this, the graduate joke with the room 558 for Mrs. Robinson. It's it's a dumb premise. I I, <laughs> I follow it, and I still think it's dumb. Or 568, sorry. <laughs> but this is the thing. She says, pick a number between 1 and a 1,000. Stupid thing number one. Kim Johnson says three.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but yeah. here's the thing. Anyone that's taken an e- e- economics 101... Someone says three from one in a thousand. You pick the next pick, pick four for fuck's sake, (laughs) pick four. (laughs) And Ethan says like
1: 888. Oh my God, Ethan, that's even dumber. It's too bad. uh, Kelly Goldsmith wasn't holding up four fingers, like in sign language and he thought it was (laughs) B or something like that. That's good.
2: Yeah. Oh, and then there's also the great, you know, uh, Uh, Kim not catching that Tom is making a joke about the hyena licking its ass after eating the mush. (laughs) And she gives this big, serious answer that, you know, when when you're out in the wilderness like like we are, I mean, taste is one of the things, the first things that goes out the window. So I think it was just an animal instinct that, you know, the hyena had to clear his rear. He just cleaned his rear end.
1: (laughs) Yes yeah that was part of you didn't really see a lot of the behind the scenes stuff why tom and kim didn't like each other although i've always suspected they just didn't i think they just hated each other but it's funny because it's just tom just fucking with her because he knows he can and it's just i just love that whole scene (laughs) He's like watch i can say anything i want and she'll take it literally
0: oh boy that's a good one ethan laughed it was good
1: yeah and so then we get you know ethan the winner and again i i have to say this again because it's like I just don't think ethan gets enough respect and i don't think africa gets enough respect but this was the first beloved survivor winner and like paul said it's really the only one until tom and palau i mean you're talking 10 seasons with one beloved winner and i think it was really important that they had a fan favorite winner at that time because survivor was not you know it was a big phenomenon and then two was a big hit because they upped the game and made it more you know pop more exciting and more bigger budget and everything But the the audience was starting to wane a little bit by season three, you know, combination of 9-11, just Africa just not not being as dynamic as some of the other seasons. There had been so many reality shows on TV. The market was getting kind of uh, oversaturated. But I think it really, really helped Survivor that Ethan won because can you imagine if Kim Johnson had won Africa? I mean, what kind of a winner would that have been?
2: I I think it's. I don't know. I think Marjorie you said at some point you wrote at some point about how you know during during Africa, like at the end, there we're kind of supposed to like like Kim Johnson,
1: but in reality, no one did. No, no one. But it's not like you disliked her either. Yeah, she just would have been like the worst there, type of yeah, you hear.
2: She's like she's she, like she's like your nice like you know, aunt, maybe great aunt that comes to the functions and she always gives you money and she's nice, but you talk to her and you're like, Hey, you're nice, but I don't like hate you, I don't love you, like you're just there. You're you're Kim
1: Johnson.
0: She just was.
1: And if she hadn't finished in second place, you wouldn't even remember her. Yeah, exactly. Like you'd think of the other fifteen players and you'd be like, who else who was the other baron i don't remember <laughs> like that that's what would have been her legacy so a yeah ethan winning was great because everyone loved him but like think of the alternative i mean lex winning would have been uh it would have been uh controversial because a lot of people disliked him but you would have understood why he won kim you wouldn't even have understood why she won well do you think that we could say that mother africa's
2: will was done here
1: i think mother africa's will was done in this case it uh, was a good season
2: uh, i think so too <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, Africa, for years, people would say oh, all the all the early seasons were great, but Africa sucked, which is totally, I think that's a horrible statement. I've loved Africa. I think there's just as much good about it as there is about Borneo and Australia, just maybe in a different way. With Africa, I would say that the love I have for it is more the, the scenery, the setting, just because it was unique. It was different. It wasn't on an island like the first two, or it wasn't by the water or anything. So... I mean, it was unique in that sense. I don't think it was as over the top or as fun as Australia. It wasn't as new as Borneo, but there was some really neat stuff, in particular with the reward scenes, the the players in particular. You got Ethan. I mean, there'd never been a winner beloved before. I I think Africa really got a a bum deal from the fans for many years, and I'm glad that it's kind of come around that people start to like it a little more now.
0: Although Mother Africa does gonna go out like a lamb because Jeff says he's going to go tally the votes and when he comes back with the urn, they're magically on a soundstage. We didn't even get a fun <laughs> helicopter shot in. They just, you know, switched it up on us.
1: Yeah, that's back when they were trying to fool, fool the us. audience into thinking they were still out there. In fact, when we get to Thailand, I'll talk about that more because I was in the audience for Thailand and I remember Burnett, Mark Burnett coming out and telling the audience every, every ten minutes during every commercial break we're going to do the switch over from tape to live, it's going to be historic, we've never done this before, and it's, this is back this was, this was his perspective back at the time that it was a big deal to, to fool the audience into to seeing how real the, the sound stage was, so it's just funny to watch it now because they don't do that anymore they don't even make any pretense anymore
2: no. I, see, I think one of the first things Bryant Gumbel says is like, uh, hmm. no, it did not all take place on this sound stage <laughs>
1: Yeah. Is that it? before or after he referred to the winner by the wrong name?
2: Uh I think that was pre when he's before he said uh,
1: Ethan Zorn. Yeah. For those of you who don't know this, uh, <laughs> this is great. One of my all-time favorite moments. I didn't put it on the funny 115 because it's technically not in an episode, it's in the reunion, but you know, Ethan is just one survivor. It's a big deal. Everyone loved Ethan, big America's beloved fan favorite. They cut to the reunion and Brian Gumble says, "And here we are with our winner, Ethan Zorn." And Ethan gives him the goofiest look. He like, like, what the fuck did you just say? <laughs> so anybody who has the Africa reunion, go look for that shot. It's my favorite shot of the reunion. Uh, uh,
0: uh, that well, that's the last one that Brian Gumble did.
1: Yeah, uh, we I think we've talked about Gumble before. I really liked Gumble as the host of the reunions. But yeah, it is funny that he went out on the one where he mispronounced the winner's name.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, I think that Brian Gumble was a. In retrospect, he was a, he was a good host you know it, when you look back and you look at those he he's asking a lot of impersonal questions it's it's all just very fluff you know just oh what do you think blah blah, blah. Uh-huh. It, you know you, nothing is really gleaned and when you look at these jeff probst led ones especially in these you know strategy heavy uh later seasons you know there, there's more things you can kind of glean or pick out of the finale but at the same time you know the seasons everything gets so personal in that fishbowl out there and all they do is just kind of you know raise it to you know turn the knob up to 11 on some of that stuff and it's like at this point it doesn't matter it's done yeah you know let it be done and so you know i'm not a big fan of like hey let's just have a big fun fluffy puff puff piece but at the same time it's like you know do we really need to like you know rake people over the coals for crap anymore like do we really need to do that
1: it's a game it's done now yeah, I always get the sense. See, this is how little I trust probes these days. I get the sense that every topic he brings up, every question is just setting up some future season or some all star. That's what I don't trust what he brings up anymore. Cause I, it's like he, these are the things he wants you to remember about the season, which is different than Brian Gumbel being an idiot and saying things like, were you in an alliance, Ethan? Because I don't even think you watch the episodes half the time, but it's just a whole different perspective when you have different hosts.
0: Do you, would you backstab your alliance? Let's ask
1: Mayim Bialik of Blossom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, so I guess we'll wrap up uh, Africa. Anything more you guys have to say about Ethan? I mean, I've said my piece about him as a winner, and I got to say one more thing that you know a lot of people know. Ethan's been sick over the years. You know, he he has been battling lymphoma. But I mean, I've I've known people with lymphoma before. I had a friend named Colleen who fought it for many years, and. That is a devastating disease. I mean, he has been fighting that thing for so long through remissions, through where it comes back. He's had his immunity system completely rebooted. I mean, it's the guy has been fighting for years. And I, I really think that more people should appreciate what he brought to Survivor, kind of what he's been through all the years, what he did with his money. I mean, so many people don't know that he took all most of his winnings and he started this charity in Africa, the Grassroots Soccer. I mean, he's Really, out of all the survivor winners, the one who really put the money where his mouth was and did what he said he was going to do, he, Africa changed him, he went, and he made people 's lives better and I think it just is a really big deal where his health has been taking him all these years, and how hard he 's been fighting. you know he and Jenna just had so many ups and downs, so I really think it 's a shame that more people don 't appreciate what he has meant to the survivor franchise. I mean he should be right up there with Colby in terms of significant players i mean he was a big deal a big, uh, as big a deal as anybody. And I don't think there will ever be a winner that was as beloved as he was.
0: No, all the best to Ethan. Um, yeah. Everything is great. Uh, quickly, yep. less less sentimental, um, really quickly. We talked about Tape Watcher in uh, uh, Survivor Australia and Survivor Africa. It was Follow the Star was the essay. Look it up if you need to. He talks about the first episode being a parallel to Ethan being uh, the a, a Christ-like figure, and the fact that the entire first episode of Africa is a parallel to the uh, crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus. And this yeah. is, you know, a whole <laughs> thing. And, and you read it, and you're like, you're listening to it here, if you're un, unaware of Tape Watcher's stuff, you would sit there and say, what the hell? How on earth? But he talks, he, he's showing you through the scenes, like showing the scenes of, like, Samburu starting the fire, you know, with Silas being in smoke, it's very devil-like, and then going to Baran and everything's light and you see Ethan down on the ground and it's like he's praying and then the fire comes. and It's this whole, you know, uh, parallel and then, you know, the, the the first challenge that we talked about with everyone falling, Ethan getting so thrashed around. They talk about how, like, the camera scenes on the cart that Baron was pushing was more, like, cross-like, so Ethan is bearing the cross and, you know, he falls and, you know, it, it, it's really weird. Like You gotta go and read it. But, you know, he goes through this whole thing and basically says that Ethan was portrayed as this Christ-like figure, and there was a six-pointed star. Like, they had the sun coming down, and then the the rays would come down in six-pointed bursts, and it was kind of doing that Star of David kind of thing. You know, Ethan is the guy, and when anything good happened in, in his... His, you know, tape watchers always, like, find a pattern in the first episode and then see it go through the merge. And his whole thing was that six-pointed star. And, you know, every time it would show up, it'd show up around Ethan and Baran, and that would show that they're, they're on the right path, they're on the right way. And he said, watching the first episode and all the first seven episodes from that up into the merge, I predict Ethan's going to win Survivor, and he's going to win it by more than a four to three vote. Wow. And he was right on. Yeah, I got.
1: I got to say, I've never been big into the editing analysis, and that's partially because I was a big fan of avoiding spoilers. I didn't like people telling me what was going to happen on Survivor, so I really wasn't part of that whole editing analysis stuff at the time. But Jay is absolutely right on the on the message board. Survivor sucks. Other boards, they had this guy named Tape Watcher. He came up with the. uh, the dog who didn't bark for Tina, where he basically predicted her win. And he did the same thing with Ethan. It was called Follow the Star. And I'm not really familiar with it because I was trying to stay away from it at the time. But Jay is absolutely right. If you want a, a fascinating read into Survivor history, go to Survivor Sucks or just go on to any Survivor board or just Google. Just search Tape Watcher, in one, one word, Tape Watcher, and Follow the Star. This, his whole analysis that he was writing as Africa was about Ethan is going to win. And it was just absolutely astounding. And he never did one after Africa, did he? No. He didn't. Yeah, he Yeah. Tape Watcher did the one for Tina. He did the one for Ethan. He predicted them with dead certainty, right down to the final vote almost. And then he basically disappeared, correct?
0: Yes, correct. He he did get one hmm. thing wrong. He talked about how he predicted that Ethan would win. He predicted that Ethan would win by more than four to three. And Ethan's win five to two up to this point is the most lopsided victory we've had on Survivor. Yep. So he was like, Ethan's gonna win, he's gonna win by more than four to three. And he thought that Kelly would play like a very pivotal role is not right because i think kelly did play a pivotal role her vote and blah 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 but he he thought that kelly would be with ethan kind of helping him through there he kind of thought mm. that way and that didn't turn out to be true um mm. because she was voted out uh fairly early after the merge but yeah. you know he, you know he didn't get everything quite right but he got the main stuff ethan will win and ethan will win by more than four to three and it was it's correct and you look back now and it's a fascinating read this is the guy he just predicted it maybe he was an editor i don't know he did it for tina he did it for ethan we're not going to bring tape watcher up ever again after this podcast because <laughs> he didn't come back and you know all you know now we've got edgic and everything else going on and they're less accurate than tape tape watcher mhm
1: yeah, no, that's a good point. This is, this is an important thing to mention when you talk about Africa that the spoiler community was kind of in its infancy and the tape watcher thing was a really big deal at the time. And just from my personal point of view, I avoided it because he was so good at it. I considered it like a spoiler, yeah. and I still kind of avoid editing analysis for that very reason. I don't want to know what's going to happen. I just kind of watch it as a uh, bright shiny lights. Let's see what's happening. Like I don't like following the edict or the the analysis. But yeah, this was a big deal, and it's it's. I'm glad you brought it up. Thinking is for nerds. Exactly. I don't like thinking. I like the bright colors. That's right. I'm with I like when old people fall down. (laughs) That's what I like.
0: (laughs) I didn't know you were an elementary student in Montana.
1: (laughs) So, uh... We don't have a lot of time, maybe 10 more minutes or so, but any uh, reader questions? I know you guys have been collecting reader questions on the internet. Anything listeners want to know that we didn't get into about Africa?
0: Um, you know, a lot of the reader questions that came in, thank you for everyone that bringing in. A lot of it is talking about stuff that we sort of covered. Just, you know, would Lex have won if we get into a final two? Um, you know, did Lex play the best game? Um, you know... A lot of people want to talk about, like, why Kelly Goldsmith is so lauded in certain (laughs) places, especially on Survivor Sucks, your stomping ground. Want
1: to opine on that at all? Yeah, I got a lot to say about this one. You know, I was writing about Survivor for years, and I used to write weekly columns. I'd write these fiction stories, these all-star stories. And one of the things I noticed around this time, you know, Colleen was very well-liked, Elizabeth was very well-liked, but Kelly Goldsmith... blew them away in terms of like survivor sucks and fan base man did they love kelly and i did not understand it at the time because i'm like she was kind of a fun character but she wasn't really significant she didn't really do much she had a couple good sound bites but clarence had good sound bites i mean but the audience for kelly goldsmith was huge and to this day i will say i've never got more hate mail than when i voted kelly goldsmith off in my alaska story i think i had her off third or fourth or something like that she's one of the early boots and man did people i mean they were threatening to boycott me that i was bullshit i was an idiot i'm like look i voted off a minor character in a story what's the big deal but yeah people love kelly Goldsmith to the point that she might have been voted the most popular survivor character on survivor sucks around 2002 2003 and like why and the only thing i can kind of guess on that is that she's bitchy she loves just being snarky and pointing out people being hypocrites and stuff and a lot of people on the internet are kind of like that too it's kind of just a snarky medium and I think she was just kind of ahead of her time with the internet fan base that they saw one of their own and she was the one pointing out that Lex was a hypocrite. She pointing out that people were idiots and she just kinda of sit back and lob missiles at people behind the scenes and that's really what people do on Survivor Sucks. So I gotta think people just kinda of saw her as a suckster. She was like the people at home. She wasn't golden boy Colby or one of these, you know, people like uh like uh, I'm trying to think like Elizabeth, who's America's sweetheart. She was just kind of snarky behind the scenes. So that's all I can I can guess at the time. And yeah, the the hatred towards Lex for voting her out was just ridiculous how venomous people were towards towards him. And I gotta say, I I probably shouldn't say this, but since it's a podcast and you guys like us being snarky too, I will say I've met a lot of survivors over the years. And the one that I met in real life that I didn't like was Kelly Goldsmith. I thought she was kind of bitchy. She's the only one I've ever liked, and I didn't have a good interaction with her. And the reason why is I saw her at the uh the Thailand finale, I was going in there with Merch Jaffer. The two of us were kind of going in to the, the the fan entrance, the media entrance, and Kelly was walking around there with Kim Powers. And Kelly was just bitching back and forth that she had to go in with the public, and she didn't want to be seen as the jazz, a normal person. And she's like, we're celebrities. We don't, we should get a red carpet. And so merch and I asked her, oh, well, you want to come in with us? We're writers. And they're like, no, we're the celebrities. We call our own door and stuff. But I just thought, it, it, it rubbed me the wrong way. She's the only survivor in real life I've ever met that I kind of had that kind of experience with. And it's, I, it still baffles me to this day that she is so beloved. I'll leave it at that. Okay, good yeah. stuff. So there you go. There's your behind-the-scenes story. But yeah, she is incredibly popular on Sucks. She has always been. If she ever were to show up on Sucks, which I don't think she would, but she would just be, you know, people would swarm her as a returning, conquering hero, even though I think now she's like a college professor somewhere in, at Northwestern, Paul said. So I think she could care less and, about Survivor. Yeah, and apparently
2: point. she doesn't watch Survivor anymore. And, um, yeah, she, I don't know what she's doing now uh, beyond that. but
0: So, yeah. pe- so people on Sucks mm-hmm. like people that are their own so 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 they like john cochran right
1: (laughs) we'll get to that when we get there
0: (laughs) okay um i guess the the other thing to bring up really quickly and it deals partly with the uh fallen comrades challenge but it's mainly with lex you know if lex goes home let's say lex even you know gets voted out you know at the kelly goldsmith vote and stuff like that does lex still make all-stars does tom make all-stars like i know that all-stars talk is you know several seasons away but you know our all-stars from africa are lex tom and ethan and uh
1: do you think they make it anyway no i don't think so because the show would have been edited differently if lex goes there yeah it wouldn't have been the lex story anymore yeah it would have been the ethan story i don't know who knows but yeah it's if he goes that early the way the show was edited back then he wouldn't have even been a significant character So, no, I don't believe he would have been on All-Stars, and I think this is complicated by the fact that I do believe Lex was promised All-Stars only, or not only because, but I think the producer said, look, because we screwed you over with Fallen Comrades, you are going to be on All-Stars no matter what. So, it's complicated by that. That wouldn't have happened the other way around, so who knows? I don't think he would have been on All-Stars if he goes out 7th or 8th.
0: Do you think he makes it if he goes out 3rd and there is no controversy with Fallen Comrades?
1: Yes, because it was his season a lot of people to this day still think it was lex's season to lose okay yeah, i lex agree was yeah. A yeah yeah i, agree. I don't know but... about tom tom is a little harder one to argue but who knows yeah i was just
0: gonna say what about tom what about tom
2: yeah if you had to pick one person from like uh from africa to be on all stars it's lex
1: yeah absolutely yeah it, uh, if you leave it up to me i would have picked silas over tom but i know i'm in the minor- minority on that one
0: oh man all stars is gonna be fantastic (laughs) we can talk about we can talk about casting and then mario can like swear for two hours straight this is gonna be fan that's awesome
1: yeah that'll just be one string of expletives
0: let's just skip it let's just go straight from australia to (laughs) all stars there was nothing good in between right you're not
1: skipping marquesas
0: what well and i don't want to skip thailand and i know i'm in the minority but
1: uh that was good
0: yeah anyway No, it's good Any stuff, more- and the the reader questions, uh, uh, you know, were centered around some stuff we covered, but uh, lots of good stuff, and uh, thank you for uh, submitting.
1: Yeah, thanks, thanks to all the listeners. I know we get a lot of feedback. I apologize for the delays between podcasts. Now that the summer's over, we should have more time, and we all had vacation schedules and and stuff over the over the summer, but we should be back on a more regular routine now, um, at least more regular than Lex's gut with the amoe- amoebic dysentery. Hiking <laughs> and crapping this podcast yeah. out. <laughs> But I can guarantee the Marquesas one will come faster because as I've said before, that is my very favorite season of the first couple seasons. In fact, I've I've often said this before that if they you know, if you look up in twenty years an encyclopedia entry of what Survivor was, because hopefully it'll be off the air by then. God knows it better be. But uh if 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 you look in an encyclopedia and they and they tell you what Survivor was, I always think Marquesas is the one they should show. I think that was the epitome of everything that Survivor should have been and it was really well done. I love everything about Marquesas now. I'll just be raving about that one left and right when we get to it.
0: I'm going to warn the viewers now. We've kind of been on this kick of doing two-part podcasts, kind of a pre-merge and post-merge. I'm telling you right now, Marquesas will be three po- three podcasts. It will be pre-merge, it will be post-merge, and it will be Gabriel.
1: Yeah, we'll have an entire podcast on Gabriel. Two hours on Gabriel Cade. Yes, it- you guys who don't know, I have been Gabriel's advocate. I was basically his unofficial media uh, media spokesperson for many years. I was in touch with his family. I wrote him. I know all about his story, and I will be speaking long and, and hard about Gabriel. Long and hard about <laughs> Gabriel. <laughs> edit that out. Make that sound less homoerotic. <laughs> uh, you won't know either way, Mara. You don't listen to yourself on a podcast, so. That's true. Yeah, just leave. Uh, make me sound more straight on that one. But yes, I'm a big, big fan of Gabriel. I have been in touch with his family for years. I used to write to his uncle. I wrote to his grandma once. Gabriel was, he helped me write his own character in a story. So I'm quite in tune with his whole storyline and kind of what happened and how that all went down. And so, yeah, we'll have a lot to talk about when we get to that one. We or you? I'll include you guys, too. Okay, thanks.
0: Yeah. Hey, Paul. <laughs> repeat after me. Mm, mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> great. Mm, interesting. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, you forgot. I got. I love Vesepia too. So it's not just Gabriel here. We're just gonna be going off on the, on Marquesas um, here.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And I know Paul loves Nalia, right?
2: I was a <laughs> Nalia fanatic.
1: She never fell down though.
2: I know. I well, this is when you see like Paul like. You know, half through sixth grade, getting ready for middle school, maturing. So I, um, I moved on, I think.
1: And plus, that was like 10 years ago. So she's only like 22 now. <laughs> the 12 year old Mormon girl. <laughs> yeah. All right. We should leave on that one. Uh, you guys have any, anything else to say about Africa other than, I mean, I think we all agree it's underrated and it doesn't deserve half the venom that it's gotten over the years, right? Correct.
0: Yeah. Frank's coming for you if you th- still think that exactly
1: alright so I guess that's it for uh, the second part of Africa and I believe we are done with the first three seasons so uh, until next time uh, love, peace, and hair grease this is Marley Lanza this is Paul Osseson
0: and this is Jay Fisher
1: and thanks for listening and next week we'll be talking about Gabriel being long and hard, thank you, goodbye Grandmaster Lex and Vandenberg. Big Kim, Kim Johnson and Ethan Zorn, now Millionaire